Hello there. Welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I'm Benjamin Light. And I am Marcus Marks. And today we're talking about S5 E14 through a glass darkly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the first time, we're talking about it relatively soon after it's aired. Yeah, we're we're all caught up now. We can do one episode a week. Smooth sailing. The prophecy has come to pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose there's a chance some people might be listening to the podcast for the first time since we're po- you know caught up and all. Um, a, obviously, it's a podcast where we talk about PLL. Mm-hmm. We go kind of overly in-depth, detail-wise, kind of recapping the episode. Um, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I feel like I should point this out. We haven't talked about this in a while. Mm-hmm. The title of our podcast is always somewhat tongue in cheek. It was we didn't even have that title for like several episodes in. Uh, this isn't a podcast where we kind of like preciously, ironically watch the show. And isn't it funny that we're guys and we watch the show? We really just like the show. We just happen to be guys who watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Pretty Little Sausage Fest. Really, you know, guys and girls should watch the show. Doesn't matter what what gender you have. It's a yeah. good show. I, I mean, we we sincerely believe it's one of the best shows on TV. That's why we do the podcast. Yeah, we would not have done uh, as this is now our 110th episode. <laughs> we would not have done it if it were any other case. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, we're, this isn't some precious thing. Precious thing. We're not trying to fetishize the show. We don't think that we're better than the show. We we will be critical of the show, but criti- criticism is both positive and negative. We love this show. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, so we're so glad that it's back on the air finally. I remember, I just want to say real quick since we're off on tangents. I think it was uh, like March of 2014, right about the time season four was ending, that you had, you had posed to me this kind of crazy notion that, you know, by the time 5B rolls around, we could be caught up. And I it, was like, it you're sounded nuts. nice at the time. It's I like was like, a, you're nuts. <laughs> well, that was back when we did like maybe two hours of notes per episode, you know, yeah, yeah. if that hour and a half. That but I think, nice. I think it dawned on me, though, as we were discussing that notion and watching Agus for Answers that like that would change. Mm-hmm. The show is this massive juggernaut with its this huge built world. And well, <laughs> just look at this episode. So, yeah, Third Glass Darkly. Uh, 5B starts, written by Joseph Doherty and, and Laya Baraz, directed by the maestro himself, Mr. Chad Lowe. Can we start that nickname for him? I'm, I've been trying to. The so, maestro. So desperately. And I gotta say, like, especially starting with his, his first one in, uh, season five, I'm starting to really love the Chad Lowe directed episodes. Really? I feel like Chad Lowe is, like, really developing some chops. Hmm? He'll always be Rob Lowe's little brother to me. Sorry, okay. Chad. Okay. Um, so we start He gets off. salty on Twitter, too. It's kind of funny. He de- Well, I like that, though. Like, you can tell that some of the other PLL people might be slightly filtered through, you know, an entourage, <laughs> a stylist, all that stuff. Image people. Uh, I feel like Chad Lowe doesn't, <laughs> doesn't toe a line. Except unless it's Chad Lowe's line. He comes correct every time. Exactly. But yeah, we're going to open up this episode here. A uh, little bouquet of flowers. I think these are like kind of like carnations maybe mm. i don't know my flowers uh detective I, tanner is smelling them Lieutenant tanner yeah and we kind of pan over and we see she's in front of the church beautiful shot mona's funeral there's a big uh framed photo of her it's funny i'm pretty sure the framed photo of her is from what she was wearing in 507 nice uh i don't know if you remember that was the episode where she was like 
watching uh, Jenna's like destroyed house while like Emily came oh, up behind don't, her. Don't call me an amateur. Yeah, yeah. She, it's like that's the photo she, they use. It's like her in that costume. Um, but anyway, the church doors open and like some pallbearers come out carrying the white casket. Three months later, title card. Yeah, the pallbearers are all dressed in you know correct funeral attire. Everyone's wearing lays though to honor Janelle Parrish's uh, not. Polynesian heritage, but the fact that she is from Hawaii, so I guess mm-hmm. they wrote that into her her character for her and her mom. Uh, I love it. There's a picture online someone put up where it's that shot of uh, Tanner like bent over smelling the flowers, and the caption is just like, "Why does everything in Rosewood smell like shit?" <laughs> so presumably, it's... Hey, let me correct myself. I was, I'm looking at a closer photo of the picture, closer picture of the photo here. That actually is not the same outfit. It's slightly different. So I guess she just has a lot that looked the same kind of uh i think we started talking about it and somebody in our comments thing kind of went further from it which is basically her her fashion ended up being like a a mixture of hannah and aria yeah it's like splitting the difference between the two uh so presumably it's like late march um which is about where season two ended the previous year um Mm -hmm. which also ended with a body uh so we see the mourners walking out including our four pll's in their new black dresses uh Remember that joke from the game, the Fincher movie? Does Rose Kennedy own a black dress? That joke? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, they're but, pretty. I mean, Emily's is a little, I don't know, maybe slightly inappropriate. The rest of them, a little more buttoned down, I, I guess. I think we had, to, had that same conversation at Wilden's funeral, though. Mm-hmm. Emily, um, Emily's a, like, she. they're walking out and she's like, they know that thing's empty, right? Like, Emily doesn't give a fuck about Mona, apparently. No. She, like, in the, the last episodes we did, like, uh, when Mona, the episode Mona died, she's just like, Mona, this doesn't mean you're friends. Fuck yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Not a big fan of Mona. And Spencer says it's casket in. It still weighs a ton. And so they're walking down the church steps to the sidewalk. Uh, by the way, behind the casket, behind the PLLs, we see that Toby, Ezra, and Mikey are walking out. Uh, Mikey Montgomery, Mr. Michelangelo mm-hmm. Montgomery. I'm sure Ezra is just like, look, Toby, our Christmas orgy was a huge success. I don't know why you're dragging your feet and rescheduling a follow-up. <laughs> Especially now that your leg is healed and you can actually drag your feet, you know what I mean? Um, and Mikey's so yeah, just like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> why am I not surprised? <laughs> mm-hmm. So Hannah says, uh, Mona's mom put keepsakes in the casket, stuffed animals, photo albums, her old retainer, and Emily just like sneers. Well, right. I'm wondering, like, all potential future clues. Uh, I mean, what kinda, are the clues? Kind of like the stuff that was albums. in, like, uh, I'm using air quotes, Allison's dug up casket, you know, from season three. So you're saying they're going to find Mona's old retainer somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to incriminate them. So we see the cast is like being loaded into the hearse. And Spencer says, you know, it's called a cenotaph. They have them for soldiers whose bodies are never found. And, you know, Hannah says basically, like, never say never. And Emily points out, hey, it's been three months. There's no body. There's no murder weapon. And Arya's like, and no arrest. And Spencer's like, well, present company excluded. God, Arya, you're so insensitive. All this makes me think that Mona's still alive. Like, yes, we saw the body. But, like, they're really stressing, like, no body, you know. Well... I have a new theory about that. Mm. I have a lot of, like, this is going to be fun, though, guys, because we're going to have theories now. I have, like, five different theories for who A is in this episode. I, I feel like the the way I watch a show is I assume that, like, anyone could be A, and I just, like, the fun is not in, like, 
solely focusing on that narrative, but just like, can I hand wave a motive for whoever to be a, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But this is going to be fun though, because it's not like we're There's we're no watching the show. Yeah. yeah, we're not watching the show and then like having to keep our mouth shut about certain things and walk in certain lines. We're going to throw out theories. We could be wrong. We're, we're probably going to be wrong. Constantly. And when we're wrong, we're going to be having even more fun being wrong. Um, so yeah, Toby strolls up for just about now. And he's like, well, what does he say? Oh, first Spencer says, let's not forget, I'm still an alleged murderer. Yeah. And then Toby says, hey, don't lose faith, okay? That letter Bethany sent Allie can still make a difference. Nice. And Spencer's like, no, not if Holbrook has anything to say about it. We should have told Tanner about him and Allie months ago. And Toby basically says that Tanner won't believe it coming from Spencer or anyone else. Uh, she's going to have to figure it out on her own. Didn't you want Spencer to be like, why are you challenging me on this? Well, it's like... It's just like she's going to have to figure it out on her own. It's like, everybody got that? Okay, so that's why they never told Tanner. Is they were just like, she won't believe us. Besides Spencer. Which is probably true, but... Mm. Plus, there's, you know, Spencer has to realize there's still plenty of life, love, and beauty in the world. Which, it's she like just March. subscribes to the theory that, like, obviously telling the cops gets them nowhere. Why bother telling them about this? Yeah, true. But it's late March, though, so I'm assuming Toby's photo book has already come out. Um, so Toby's mm-hmm. going to go get the car, and Spencer says, okay, I'm kind of curious, like, what car is Toby driving now? Is it his truck? Did they fix it? Does he get to drive, like, a patrol car around? Is, is he going to give his girlfriend? Yeah, does he a- have a new car? Maybe Toby will have a new car in this uh, new house season. Can you just imagine Toby driving his, like, murder suspect number one girlfriend around <laughs> in his police cruiser? But uh, BTW, have we mentioned that Ezra and Mikey are totally broing down on the other side of the hearse there, and we have no idea what they're saying? Well, I have some thoughts about Ezra and Mikey later in the episode. Oh, but yeah, so we... Diff- sorry, oh, sorry. Uh, different man of the cloth here. I mean, I know there's no need to bring in the actor who plays Pastor Ted to be a background artist, but still, it makes you wonder what with Sean's dad and Pastor Ted, like how many holy men are working in this one church town? I could I could say something that's a spoiler, but I won't. Uh, so we cut over to kind of the park area in the town square and we see Allie's walking up. Allie is in a pink and white floral print dress. Uh, no her, black. Her, is it me or is it like her dress is pretty much matching what like the girls are wearing in their lays? I mean, yeah, it, it really, it's the same pink and white as the, the, and it's floral print. Like it, 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 it looks like it matches. And yet it's not black, you know, it's, I mean, maybe this is Allie's own weird way of like honoring Mona, but uh, I don't think anyone else is really taking it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and <laughs> it's just kind of ice cold. The liars all had this look on their face, like, bitch, are you for real? And Artie's like, what the hell is she doing here? And Spencer says, showing up to your victim's funeral. Classy. It is classy. Um, so Hannah tells them, you know, they have to get Allison out of here. So well, cause yeah. we can see Allie head over towards uh, Mrs. Vanderwall there. So, yeah, Allison walks up to Mona's mom, who's, like, standing behind the open end of the casket, or the open end of the hearse the casket's being loaded in. And uh, Mrs. Mona's mom is, like, wearing, like, white lay, and Allison's like, Mrs. Vanderall, I came to pay my respects. Mona's mom, like, turns and sees it's Allison, and she's just like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> and the liars just all pause to watch. Like, they're not going to get there in time. Uh, and Mrs. V just slaps the shit. Or, or, or she's, yeah, Allie says, to tell you one more time, you know, I came to frame my respects to tell you one more time that had nothing to do with your daughters. And then Mrs. V just like slaps the shit out of her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, where's my daughter? Liars all gasp. And, uh, Miss Vanderwall's just body? like, where's her body? Hannah rushes over and takes Mrs. V's arm and 
she's like hulking out right now. Uh, this is Vanderall. And Hannah's like, it's okay. Come with me. Um, interesting. Hannah, she looks at Allie, but she, she doesn't really look like angry or scornful at her. She's just kind of like sad. Like, you know, let's, you know, let's just end the situation here. Like, I feel like if that was Emily, she'd been like glaring hatred at Allie. I think Emily would have like slit Allison's throat and mm-hmm. then like quickly moved a goblet under there to catch the blood for her to drink later. Um, which will probably help with her shoulder, you know. But uh, yeah. so like Allison's like frozen in shock. Hannah reassures Mona's mom, gets her out of there. Emily, Ari, and Spencer just watch, and Allison's like holding her cheek. And as she starts to look up at them, her expression turns from shock and sadness to this kind of like pure cold fury. Uh, maybe Fury. I don't know. I think she just feels sad. I, you know? I, I took it that her emotions were turning, and it could very well just be because these three witnessed that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could be that she's upset for other reasons. But it was, it was interesting. But PLL is back, <laughs> back of a bang. Yeah. Uh, so that is the opening. There we go to the credits, and then we're in Mona's bedroom again. Uh, Mrs. V, who I believe is her name is Leona. She's adjusting a pillow on Mona's bed. It's nice kind of a mirror image kind of of Jessica Dillarentis with the uh, Allie and you know when Allie was presumed dead like kind of preserving Allie's room. It's the same situation here. But Mrs. V just seems so much more human. Well, she seems less creepy, but it is a total parallel here where it's like they've both kind of preserved their daughter's rooms and their daughter's rooms are both very similar like stylistically. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like different coloring, and well, it's and for a long kind of time. preserved exactly how they would have left it. You know, had Mona not been brutally murdered. Obviously, they cleaned the place up here. The other parallel too is that for an extended period of time, both of their daughters were dead and missing bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Hannah comes in again. Like, I really think that Mona's bedroom is basically just a dress-up version of the set for Emily's room. But Hannah comes in. She tells her that tells Mrs. V that she put a load in the dishwasher. Asks Mrs. V needs any help folding chairs. Uh, Mona's mom says no. Hannah asks if there's anything she needs. Mona's mom says no. Hannah starts to leave, and that's when Mona's mom. Well, Hannah's like, I think I'll go. Like, it's really, it's like there's nothing else for her to do here. So she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna bounce. But then uh, Leona's like, I'm sorry about what happened at the service, and she takes a big breath and she's like, It was just her, Allison, alive. (laughs) And Hannah kind of nods sadly. She says, People understand. Like, trust me, everybody in the town wants to slap that bitch. Yeah, no one can handle her bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she says that it's like Mona was lost at sea, which is fascinating. Um, Mona's mom breaks down and says she can accept that her daughter is dead, but but where is she? In, in like, what was she thinking in Mona's mom herself with this empty casket business? And Hannah says that she thinks that Mona's mom was probably trying to find a way to say goodbye, which they're all trying to do. And the funeral probably helped a lot of people, which gives Mona's mom some comfort, you can tell. Like, um, Sydney Penny, the actress who plays Mona's mom, it's not like she's had very many scenes, but she definitely she she nails what little she she's given. You know, she I definitely really, seems very sad and like angry and lost. You really buy into the human element of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, her, Parker is a great actor who's doing something completely different with a similar type role. Yeah, and so Leona says, you know, I hope I help someone. And her mouth is like trembling, trying to hold it together. And Hannah says, well. I'll just go fold those chairs before I go. And she tries to leave for like a second time here, but uh, Mrs. V stops her again. She picks up a stuffed toy dog off of Mona's bed. And she's like, Hannah. And she walks over and hands Hannah this like little stuffed dog. And she says, I want you to take care of this. 
And it's just like kind of forces a smile like, okay, I guess I'm taking this stuffed animal. And she's like, what does it eat? Mm-hmm. Um, so good Spencer's kitchen where Spencer lets in Peter Hastings through the side door. Uh, audience pauses to applause. Um, they hug. Nice timing that uh, Noel North walks in almost right as his name appears on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I think he got a new haircut, too. Of course he did. Um, He's single now. <laughs> Oh, I want to see that storyline so bad. I know. <laughs> so, you know, they say, can hey. I just, he... Can I just pitch Peter Hastings and Ashley Marin? Hmm. Does that just blow your mind? It does. Yeah. We'll talk whiskey, about that. Whiskey and wine. We'll talk about that later on. Yeah. Uh, so, Peter's like, how you doing? I uh, heard what happened at church. And Spencer just kind of grimaces and picks up her coffee cup. And she's like, it was so ghastly. Hannah stopped Mona's mom, but we all wanted to stuff Allie into that empty coffin. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, my notes just say foreshadowing. Well, it's a funny turn of phrase, too, especially considering it's referring to the girl who was buried alive. And mm-hmm. climbed out of her own hastily dug grave. Uh, Peter says he should have been there. Spencer's like, no, really. We want to do this on our own. And uh, he's just like, whatever. Yeah, he's like, good. Um, she feels some awkwardness and tells him, you know, you know mom's not here. And he says he knows. And Veronica called and asked him to come by. And Spencer has this, like, kind of, like, she stiffens up a little bit, like, red alert. And she's just like, Well, like, that that line, Mom's Not Here, got a a ton of laughs, it seemed like, from the internet. Just, yeah, (laughs) it's like, of course she's not. Uh, But, yeah, I like how uh, she's, like, her her radar is, you know, on edge as soon as uh, he says that, you know, Peter's, like, come by because Mom asked. And she's like, what? Why? Like, you can't be here to parent me. Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he tells her that Bethany Young's parents have petitioned the court to have Spencer's bail revoked. And she's confused because they've been trying to do that for months now. And he's like, <laughs> Fuck yeah, those well, parents. this time it may work. And she's just like, why? And he's like, they unsealed your indictment today. We finally know why you were arrested. And music rises and we get big Spencer eyes. Then we cut to the Rosewood police station. And it's the remake of TJ Hooker. Oh, no, never mind. It's just Officer Toby going through Spencer's file. Officer Toby has, like, his own desk. He's in his uniform. I have to wonder, though, if he... Like, right now, as this is happening, is Officer Barry outside, like, having a cigarette, thinking, like, fuck that guy. He came in and, like, snaked my promotion from me. It's like Toby's working homicide. He's even got a nameplate on his desk. Uh, He's just looking through the file. Tanner walks in, and he kind of shuts the file quickly, and he's like, uh, it's an open file. I I didn't break any rules looking at it. And Tanner is like, what you're looking for isn't there. It's here. And she hands him another folder. And she says, the grounds for Spencer Hastings' arrest warrant. That was unsealed today. And Toby, like, look, he's looking through this as Tanner sits on another desk. And she says, what convinced the judge was a statement from a witness. Someone who saw Spencer Hastings in the Dillerentist backyard with a girl, a blonde, dressed in Allison's clothes. The night that Bethany was buried in the, that yard. And Toby's like, who was the witness? And Tanner says, Jessica Dillerentis. And Toby's like, Mrs. Dillerentis saw Spencer in the backyard and told the police. And she nods. <laughs> and he's like, where has this statement been for two years? Uh, and Tanner's like, where it has been is deliberately hidden in the files of the officer who took the statement, Darren Wilden. We found it just before Thanksgiving. Wilden had suppressed it. So... Toby's like thinking to himself, like, man, that fucking guy. But I really kind of wonder, part of me is like, is, is Tanner saying this as if it's a career goal that Toby can aspire to as a Rosewood cop? Like, 
this level of incompetence and corruption is well, the what, benchmark. Kavanaugh. What exactly was your game, Wilden? You were like, I'm not going to destroy this. I'm just going to hide it in case I need it later. Uh, but Toby makes some Toby faces here, and he stands up, and like he's like talking shop now, like he's on Tanner's level because he's like well, homicide cop. As he gets up and closes the file and starts to come around the desk, his body language reminded me of like whenever like Matlock was about to do his closing statement at trial. Well, he's just like, as fellow murder police, uh, I have my yeah. thoughts on this. And he says he may have buried the statement, but Mrs. D was still alive. What stopped her from telling someone else? And Tanner shrugs, like, way too innocently. Like, I feel like she's playing Toby here. Oh, she's got her, her casual, curious ignorance routine going on him. She's like, got her Columbo routine going on him. There's no way she would be like, oh, new cop on the force who happens to be dating the murder suspect. Here's some information for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which kind of makes me wonder, like, do Tanner and Holbrook, do they maybe have, like, competing theories on the killer? Oh, and they're kind of like... Like leaking info just to see how the liars react and what they do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like they're whoever, like playing a game amongst themselves. Whoever they can't like leak the info to, they sleep with. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> so Tanner's, uh, you know, they're talking about why didn't Mrs. D tell someone. Tanner's like, why do you think she didn't? And Toby's like, Wilden was crooked. He told somebody about that statement, someone who wouldn't, who'd want it to go away, and they paid him to keep Mrs. Dillarentis quiet. It's like, hey, Toby, way to point the cops right at Spencer's parents, yeah, you ass. Yeah. I'm watching this, and I'm thinking, like, well, it's got to be Peter Hastings. And then I'm thinking, hey, Toby, shut the fuck up. And Tanner stands up, like, she's intrigued by this halfwit, and she's like, how do you suppose he could do that? And Toby says, you know, Bethany is a patient at Radley, Mrs. D was on the board, she had an affair with Bethany's father, that's probably where they met. And it's like, is that all knowledge that they would have, I guess? I guess Tanner would have gotten those records from Radley. Yeah, like how much? <laughs> but how would I feel you, like Tanner's just like thank you for I, confirming where your mind is on this investigation? Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, I want Tanner to be like, "Hey, Toby, how much of that do you know because of your girlfriend's numerous B and E's?" Toby's like, "Oh shit!" Toby's like, "Did I also mention my boring dead mother storyline?" <laughs> and she's just like, "I gotta go." Yeah, um, but she's just like it. Always seems back. To, seems to lead back to rally, doesn't it? And he, she starts doesn't to walk it. away, and he calls out to her like, "Where's your partner?" And she's like, "Oh, Detective Holbrook. He's out on temporary assignment. He's mm. not slaying all that young puss, that young Rosewood puss." And Toby's just like, "Huh." Uh, so so we then, cut to the brew. The brew under new management. Uh, there's some construction going on inside, and Ezra's telling us all about it. Is Ezra has bought the brew or something? The prophecy has come to pass. I mean, has he bought it? I guess. I don't know. Did he get a loan? Where did he get the money? From, I, li- I like those details that he filled in. From one skeezy owner to another. Yeah, he's giving Arya the tour. Everything's like under under construction as they remodel. There's like tarps hanging everywhere. And he's like, well, once I'm done, this will all be bookshelves. Because so is of he course trying it to, will be. Is, is he trying to remodel this place to look like the pub that he met Ali at? The Heart and R- Huntsman? No, no, the that's where he, oh, 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 you know right. the in the uh, in A's for Answers he meets her at that like kind of bar like, pub place with all like the books and yeah, couches. They, they call it a pub, but it was really like a. Uh, I mean, it looked like a student union thing or something. Yeah, it looked like like it was just this side of like what was available in a uh, gas station plus a pool table mm-hmm. plus Ar- the asshole reading Tender is the Night. Yeah. Arya, um, meanwhile, is dressed like uh, black and white Sergeant Pepper. 
Um, yeah, so I had made a comment in my notes that I think that Arya probably shares a closet with Panic at the Disco and My Chemical Romance. And then one of our <laughs> listeners, Jane, also noticed that. Way to go, Jane. Good good noticing. Oh, I really love the way Arya walks around with her arms out to the sides, like like flapping around. I find it always amusing whenever she but does that. For anyone who's like, here's what we mean here. She's wearing a black skirt that looks like something like a ballerina would wear. Uh, a white like t-shirt with like a floral print on it and over that a white marching band uniform jacket <laughs> with the uh, like black cordine on it yeah yeah like if a marching band was going to show up and like i don't know like escort your soul to like the other side when you die Arya's the one waving the baton well and the way she walks through this place she has a demeanor about her as though as though she were 50 years old as though she were 50 years old and like the owner of this place or something you know like she has this like i can't wait to order the help around look on her face well it's like it's like she's gertrude stein and and ezra i don't even know who the fuck ezra thinks he is in the expatriates there but yeah so he's like of course it's gonna be bookshelves because of course and she's just like oh it looks good in a uh it really gets messy before it gets clean kind of way which where's your dick ezra because i'm gonna step on it (laughs) And, and he's, he's like, yeah, well, I appreciate your optimism, but I think you need to get your eyes checked. And it's like, hey, Ezra, way to take a compliment. Yeah. So Ezra then, and, and Ian Harding's like amazing vocal delivery, like near Shatner level vocal delivery. He's just like, have you heard from Oberlin? <laughs> and Ari's like, uh, no, no, I haven't. Hopefully tomorrow. And she she kind of immediately turns around and he brings us up and like pretends to look at some blueprints. Yeah. Seems to be a, maybe a sore subject for Arya. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Have you heard from Mike since the funeral?" And well, Arya's also, like, "Who?" Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's right. I have a brother. <laughs> but is that like Ezra's move? Whenever Arya like like shits on something precious to him, does he then like stick the knife into her <laughs> back too? Are, yeah. they, are they that couple? <laughs> oh, they're definitely that couple. Yeah. Have you heard from Mike since the funeral? And Arya just kind of shrugs and like waves her hands around, and she's like, kind of lost track of him after the slap heard around the world. Why? And Ezra's like, I'm just wondering how he's doing. It's like, no, you're not Ezra. What the fuck? What 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 game are you playing? What is this? What is this about? You don't care about Mike. Uh, and he says, Mona was a lot of complicated things to a lot of different people. She was just one thing to Mike. And Ari's like, he loved her. And I was the one who tried to screw it up. Twice. He doesn't want to talk to me about her. And Ezra's like, I could try. I could say that I need help with my bookshelves. And Ari's like, you do need help with your bookshelves. He's like, oh, see, it's a win-win. What is going on here, Ezra? She's like, God, you are such a creepy creep, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious if anyone's listening to this, and you watch this, and you somehow magically still prescribe to nice guy Ezra. I'm kind of curious, like, how much of you also recognizes self-serving Ezra? <laughs> I have some ideas about what Ezra is up to. We'll get to them a little later. Okay. Um, he's but- like, he he's like watch like say by the bell and he's like i want to be the guy that runs the thing where they fucking hang out at say by the bell mm-hmm. or i want to be the guy who runs the peach pit on 90210 yeah i can't think of that guy's name right now mel that's probably wrong uh anyway we cut to uh paley here in emily's bedroom uh yeah Paige is laying in emily's arms in bed some sad romantic music is playing things are super duper somber yeah, they're just kind of lying there. Emily has her arm around Paige, and Emily's like, she finished packing. Paige's like, yeah. And Emily lets out a big sigh. She says, I thought three months I'd get used to the idea of you leaving, but I haven't. It's and Paige like- is like, neither have I. But is it just me, or does Paige look a little bit checked out here? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would I, say, first of all, it's like time flew right by in a three-month time jump. But, I, uh, I've very intentionally not read Heather Hogan or um, the After Ellen recaps yet, because I'm sure they have very different perspectives on this, but what I'm getting in this episode from Paige is that mentally, she's already gone. Um, I think we'll talk about this more after the ep- as we get towards the mm-hmm. end of the episode. But yeah, this I'm going to say, though, Oh, I don't know. This is, people are gonna hate this. This is my favorite page episode. Really? This is this is I think <laughs> this is I think it's the culmination of everything where Paige should be going, both as with her character and geographically. But it's also I think Lindsay Shaw's best performance hmm. in the entire show. I think she really nails it here. Um, in this whole episode. But you're right. She seems so checked out. Um, Emily, well, Emily's like, oh, you'll miss graduation. And Paige is like, my parents say that's just a technicality. And when he says, and prom, that was a technicality I was looking forward to. The prom episode? I mean, are we going to get that episode where Spencer is given the class protector award? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and when he says, maybe if we talk to your parents one more time, Paige, like, straight up rolls her eyes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, they can't hear anything. I have enough credits to leave early, and that's all that counts. They want me someplace safe. And it kind of sounds like maybe she's, like, her parents are just, like, that's what she, the excuse she's going to hide behind. And M ponders this, and she's like, "California has earthquakes." Paige smiles. She says, "I pointed that out. Didn't work though." And Emily's like, "Well, I'll take you to the airport." And Paige says, "My parents will take me there. You don't have to do that." And Emily's like, "I don't have to. I want to." Well, so a little bit of this scene, I think, metaphorically, Emily is still living in a Paley fan fiction. Paige mm-hmm. is living in the real world. I think it's kind of funny because they've completely switched places. Yeah, they definitely have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Paige sits up and turns around to kind of like, I don't know, give Emily a little reassurance. She, she just, it's like she's about to say something, and then she just stares at Emily, and Emily kind of looks a question at her, and Emily's like, what? And Paige's like, I heard a song the other day, old song. Girl says, Your eyes, it's a day's work just to look into them. And this kind of cheers up Emily a little bit. She smiles. Yeah. And, and Paige gets lost in those big, beautiful brown chocolate eyes of Emily's. Um, it, it makes me kind of enjoy that one scene that Ari and Paige had in and shadow play a little bit more because they, they are kind of like the crazy romantic old souls in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, less cynical than Spencer is also <laughs> not as realistic as Spencer is at times. I think everybody is less cynical than Spencer is. That's the way it should be. So the song, I believe I could be mistaken. I believe it is it tango by Laurie Anderson, which is her album's called big science. I'm amazed that Imogen heap hasn't covered that song yet. Cause it's right up her alley, but I'll say this for Rosewood too. It doesn't have the murder per capita rate of other fictional towns, like say Cabot Cove, Maine. Um, yeah. So we cut to Hannah's kitchen or Hannah and Caleb are sitting at the kitchen counter and Hannah is dishing them out some ice cream. Uh, the stuffed dog is, like, is sitting there on the counter. She is very, very uh, stingy with that ice cream. I, mean, I have two comments here. One, she gives she gives Caleb one scoop of ice cream, one small scoop. Two, it's just chocolate ice cream, just plain chocolate. Who buys plain chocolate ice cream? I don't. There's so many things you can put in the chocolate ice cream to make it better. Why would you get just chocolate? Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have gone with this choice. But I don't know. Maybe they're on some. You kind get of chocolate happy thing. brownie. You get some sort of Rocky Road thing. Some, some, some cookies in there. You put some crazy shit on top of some it. Peanut yeah. butter cups. There's a lot of stuff you can put in there. Plain chocolate. Uh, thumbs down. Also, since we like to we like to spark invigorating like uh, conversation amongst our our listeners, mm-hmm. what ice cream flavors do you think all the pale liars listen or listen to? Listen Eat. To. <laughs> 
Oh, what or is it what they eat or what ice cream flavor best? Uh, like I don't know, encapsulates their personality. You just blew my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Which one is sherbet? Emily. Really, not Arya. I'd have to think a while about Arya. Which one is Neapolitan? I don't know. We, come on, we can't do this. We here all day. <laughs> so, uh, Caleb, kind of, you know, I think the question you want to ask is which one is Spumani. Whoa, that's probably Arya. Yeah, Caleb kind of Spumani is the worst. <laughs> Caleb, kind of, so maybe it's Ezra. <laughs> Arya and Ezra is whichever one they can shove in each other's face <laughs> the fastest. So, uh, Caleb kind of like mentions slash asks that Hannah stayed after the funeral of Mona's mom, and Hannah says, "Yeah, she helped her clean up." Uh, that Mona's mom wishes that she had done more after Mona first told her about Allison. And Hannah's just like, God, I want to crawl under a rug. We pushed her to help us. And Caleb's like, no, Mona was on Allison's radar before that. But uh, Hannah says that she still felt awful, you know. So then she asks Caleb if he had any luck with that. That being Mona's high-tech super briefcase nuclear football laptop. Yeah, that Caleb had that she gave him in 512. He never gave it back, apparently. And he says, well, I know Mona wasn't afraid to let me keep it. It is completely encrypted and secured, unlike anything I've ever seen, because I've never heard of File Vault. Uh, he says, the only thing I know for sure is that there are chunks of that hard drive that I'm completely locked out of. Because remember, guys, her software slays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's like, well, she went through all that trouble there. There must be something important on there. And it's just like Mona's porn collection. Uh, Which, I have to say, don't worry, Caleb. The ultimate ego killer is coming up. Mm-hmm. Kid says, well, I'm not giving up. My ego's at stake now. And Hannah says, what do you think Allie did with Mona's body? And <laughs> Caleb's like, Allie's the only one with that information. It's like, yeah, or, you know, A. Yeah. And Caleb's like, and I don't see you're making that public knowledge. Hannah says, well, maybe there's someone else who knows. There's somebody that could find out. And Caleb's like, who? And Hannah hesitates here because she's leery of bringing up a touchy subject around Caleb. And she says, Mrs. Greenwald. And that hits Caleb where he lives. Mm. He's got no appetite for his ice cream now. He like literally picks up the cup and like takes it to the sink. Yeah. And he's just like, not a good idea. He says it all emotional, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's back from Nam. Mm-hmm. She's, she's trying to take him right back to the war. And it's like, she's a psychic, a real psychic. She's not some card flipper at a carnival. She has a real gift, and we both know it. So, I was thinking card flipper at the carnival, and it just occurred to me, the woman from the... Uh, Promise? Or, what, no, Homecoming? The Homecoming, yeah. yeah. There's darkness in him. Possibly even violence. Uh, yeah, it's like sometime during this three-month break, uh, Hannah's binge-watched all of Ravenswood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know some people, like, after 5.11, they were just like, oh, God, fucking Ravenswood, you know, with the whole fireflies and all that stuff. But... As Hannah opened her mouth and said all this, never mind the fact that it obviously was in the trailer, I was like, yes! <laughs> I totally want to see the Grunewald come back. Yes! Yeah, and Kayla's just like, you can't mess around with that stuff. Believe me. He's like, trust me, Hannah, that stuff got my show canceled. Yeah. Also, I'm hand acting. <laughs> and Hannah says, well, then who else do we ask? She saved Allie when Mrs. D planted her. Yes. Well, which line. is just a wonderful way to describe that, Hannah. Hannahisms. Mm-hmm. And it says she knows all of us and she seems to like us in some disturbing, creepy sort of way. Mm-hmm. And Caleb's like, it's not like Lojack, okay? You can't just call her up and ask, where's the body? You know, she could tell you. How are you going to explain it to Mrs. Vanderwall where you got the information or the police? Hannah face. Well, Hannah, like she was like kind of hopeful for a moment, but now she's sad again. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, Hannah, 
I know how you feel about Mona's mom. Calling the Greenwald is not going to help anybody. Warhammer Least Warhammer. of all, our ratings. Yeah. Well, it's funny the titles they give to these characters to like strip something away from them. To, like and to, the Greenwald. And the Jenna thing. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to denote how scary they are, but like somehow dehumanize them at the same time. Uh, so meanwhile, Main Street Rosewood tonight. Arya is sitting on a park bench. She is hey, nervously. The, we can see the diva dish. It's still there. Yeah, she's nervously opening up a tiny envelope from Oberlin College of Arts and Sciences. Yeah, pro tip, Arya, if it's a small envelope, that is not an acceptance letter. Yeah, it's a rejection. Arya's like, what the fuck? You know. Also, don't go there, Arya. Oberlin fucking, uh, go to a real college, like someplace that'll actually challenge you. Oberlin would be the worst possible college for Arya to go to. You think she should go to Brown? (sighs) Don't go to some tiny liberal arts college that's just going to blow sunshine up your ass. Like, we are, you're already Aria. You don't need to go to college to be more Aria. That's all I'm saying. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Could you, can you just like get a major in Aria? Like a major mm-hmm. Aria? A little bit, of, like a minor in humanities and a major in Aria. Um, so behind her, we hear a voice say, bad news. It's, it's... Allison fucking De Laurentiis. Oh, yeah. Aria turns and sees Allie and like glares and she folds up her letter. She's grabbing her purse. Her purse, by the way, has like, it's bl- a black purse with like there's a skull and like gold bling on it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, so where, she, that's where Arya lives. Yeah, she she's, she's getting up, but Allie kind of moves around to get in front of her, and she's like, "You don't have to do that." And Arya's like, "Do what?" And Allie says, "Run from me. Be afraid." And Arya's like, "If you want me to believe you're not who I think you are, you will leave us all alone." And Allie's like, "God, it's like you went to sleep one night and forgot who I am." Damn Allison's right. Dark mm-hmm. And Arya's like, "I know exactly who you are." A and Allie's like, stop saying that. And Arya says, why should I? You're A. You stole the game from Mona, and then he killed her because she had proof. And he killed Bethany because you were jealous of a mental patient. That's how crazy you are. In your fucking face, Allie. Well, it's Pot calling the kettle black. Mm-hmm. Midnight black. Um, Allison's like, listen to me, Arya. And she puts her hand on Arya's arm. But Arya's going to stick it to her. She whips out her rape whistle that she got from Mona back in, I think, 502. Mm-hmm. Starts blowing on it. Everyone's sitting outside the food places or walking the streets, looks over and sees this. And Allison, like, panics and, like, hurriedly, like, walks away. And Arya watches her go and, like, breathes heavily. It is, like, a great fuck you because it's Mona's, Mona's box so of whistles. Why do you think she kept the whistle? Because that is the exact one that Mona gave her. I checked. Uh, oh, nice. Um, I think it could be a lot of reasons, though. I mean, I mean, is is this a trophy or is this for sentimental reasons? Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of sentimental reasons, uh, a little bit like a talisman against dark forces, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, it's practical. She's like, well, you never know. I'm already dating a pedo. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's the same one, which is a, a nice production detail. Uh, but they they made sure they got the same whistle. I'm trying to remember what is the the PLO annotations like. Blow me. That is both me and the whistle talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and poor Allie is just like feeling betrayed once more. Uh, you know, she has to run away from Arya here, and Arya is acting like this was like the scary moment she just got over. And really, it's like you were just refusing to talk to your former best friend. Yeah, yeah, who is eerily similar to you. Um. I'm kind of amazed after this episode that Arya doesn't have a fucking inhaler. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the commercial, it's the next day. Spencer's house. The liars are all assembled. Spencer's explaining to them to the well, it, family. It needs to be mentioned at the beginning of the scene that Troyan crushes this scene. She is awesome in this whole episode. Yeah, yeah. She, well, it's, it's Troyan. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, 
Spencer is explaining that to them that Bethany's family is talking to the judges right now, probably talking to the judges right now. Um, I really thought that Spencer was wearing pajama pants this whole episode. Isn't she though? I, I think so. I don't think these are normal. I mean, is she just like fucking them going out in public in my PJ pants? Yeah, I mean, what is she gonna like do? Like be embarrassed? Because I mean, are people crossing the street to get away from Spencer like they were Toby in season one? Probably. I mean, she has on the like the PJ pants and then like a. A gray long sleeve sweater that she has like a, a white it's, blouse it's on underneath. It's a weird dichotomy though. Like her top half is like normal. It's what a normal person would wear. Her bottom mm. half is so clearly like, I don't know. Her top half is, is still a little no weird. Offense. It's a little weird and like proper and casual at the same time. But isn't it weird just because of the lower half? Like below the equator? It's still a, a strange look. And I think that something about the long sleeves and the way she hangs her arms at her sides when she wears this outfit... Really, it's kind of like the weight of the world is like pressing down on her in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Spen- uh, Trying Bell. Sorry, we don't have to talk about enough. We talk about her various aspects of, of how good she's acting. Just like body language alone, she's crushing it. Usually, mm-hmm. um, she really gets like yeah, like you said, the weight of the world in the shoulders of Spencer Hastings and how heavy the crown hangs off her. Yeah. So she's saying, you know, it could be today, it could be tomorrow. I mean, my mom's at the courthouse. She's, she's trying to find it, but she and Hannah says, Spencer, that's crazy. Okay, they can't just revoke your bail. And her eyes like, well, we have to do something. Three months later, they have to yeah. do something. Four months later, Spencer's like, what? Something. We found a letter from Bethany explaining the matching clothes, explaining everything, and Holbrook is doing whatever he can to get it thrown out to make sure that it looks like I forged the whole thing, uh, which he should do, really. Uh, and Ari says, but Mona found out that Allie hit Bethany with that shovel and was murdered for it. So if we can prove that Allie killed Mona, the cops will realize that these two crimes are connected, that one motivated the other, that you're innocent. Do we know for sure that Mona proved that Allison hit Bethany at that shovel? No. Uh, I would say that's not, I believe, been established in the text. All Mona said was, Allison is A and I have proof. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're making some some logical leaps. Uh, Emily's like, if it were easy to prove that Allie's a murderer, wouldn't we have done that already? Yeah. (laughs) Emily's like, Arya, if you're the one who invented Facebook, you would have invented Facebook. Uh, and Ari says, well, if Mona can find proof, so can we. I mean, it's got to be somewhere, right? It's like Plucky Arya has just decided, I'm going to solve this murder now because I, well, I care about it. Well, because Spencer, is, she's emotional. So she's like momentarily deferring leadership. And uh, Arya is checking in with the troops. Arya's like, hey, I guess I should care about this. Yeah, let's go solve that murder. She's like, holy crap, you guys. I discovered I actually give a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Arya has like this weird sleeveless blouse on with like little insect prints all over it. It's strange. I, I feel like it'll become more important. And a red coat later on. Mm-hmm. on a red coat. Yeah, and then Arya turns to Hannah and she says, "Hey, how's Caleb doing with her laptop?" And Hannah says, "He's not giving up. He's not getting anywhere either." And he's like, "Guys, as long as Allie has an alibi, she's untouchable." Spencer says, "So then we tear down her alibi." And Emily's like, her dad won't budge. And Spencer says, I'm not talking about her dad. And Emily's face here is just like, oh, shit. Who are you talking about? (laughs) I just wish that I could say in casual conversation with my friends, we need to tear down that person's alibi. (laughs) Uh, So meanwhile, at the brew, it's time to check into our favorite show. You know, I I, I wrote down, meanwhile, at the pedo brew. And then I thought. Is there a better name than Pedo Brew? And then I, I spent like 30 seconds trying to think of various, uh, you know, like statutory pedophilia coffee jokes. And then I thought, what am I doing with my life? So 
I guess what I would throw out is if Ezra was like not so much like a faux literary snob, like potential literary snob, like if he wasn't Mr. N plus one or whatever, mm-hmm. I would say like if he was like a comic book nerd, he should reopen the place as Seduction of the Innocent. Hmm. Batman and Robin right here. That's really creepy. It's super creepy, but it just fits, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, bros at the brew are building stuff. We're checking in this old brew it's, here. It's Ezra and Mikey Montgomery. Mikey Montgomery is all like swole in his Henley here. Because mm-hmm. every time he like leaves the show for like a season and a half, he just like does push-ups, I think, the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and so his it's hair just... hair is getting bigger, and it's making it harder to take him seriously. I think you're just a little jealous. Of his hair? Mm-hmm. What an interesting conclusion to jump to, Arya. Hmm. Yeah, so they're, they're I don't know, like carrying some lumber around, like saw it or something, like making some marks. And uh, and Ezra, they're kind of like kind of, you know, looking at each other, glancing back and forth. And Ezra says, hey, uh, I didn't see you at the cemetery yesterday. Did you leave early? Mike's like, I guess. And Ezra's like, you did? And Mike's like, okay. And Ezra's like, any reason? And it's like soulful Mike Montgomery here. He looks back, he's all world weary, and he's like, it wasn't a real funeral. Ezra's like, no. And Mike's like, no body, no funeral. Because Mike has his own Mona's lie theories. We really should have acted sound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just imagine this scene, though, but like Ezra's wearing a flannel shirt and has grown a beard. Why does this scene even exist? We'll get well, to that at the end of this. First of all, why did Mike even agree to help this asshole with remodeling? This is Mike <laughs> who once punched this guy in the face. And then was pretty upset when his big sister was maneuvering everything in her life around to boff this guy. Well, like, Ezra, don't you have, like, a contractor to do this? I don't know. Like, shouldn't your contractor be like, stay the fuck away from my tools? Because there's no way these are Ezra's tools. It's like a super fancy, like, mounted, like, saw that you can, you know, cut lumber with. Um, Just picturing a contractor being like, listen, you tool, stay away from my fucking tools. Or, or saying, listen, you tool, stay the fuck away why, from my tools. Why aren't you hiring Toby on his off hours from being a cop? Yeah. Also, like, like, doesn't it look like Toby's Mike... just like, you can't afford me. <laughs> well, I have a lot of questions, too, when we get to the upstairs of this building. I designed like, the new Comcast building in Philadelphia. Doesn't it look like Mikey actually knows what the fuck he's doing here? And mm-hmm. Ezra has no clue. Yeah. Like, I kept waiting for Ezra to, like, solve Ezra's like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> so uh ezra's like uh you know no by no funeral ezra says doesn't that make you upset uh i'm just i'm trying to get a sense of how this all makes you feel and mike's like you look that up you, you know did you look up how to talk to me online or something i, like, I feel no, like i, I don't want to talk to you about my dead girlfriend you ass well ezra's like no but i suddenly wish that i had looked that up online. Yeah. that, that is smart. a good idea uh, and he's like, I just wasn't sure you thought she was actually gone. And it's like, what? What are you playing at, Ezra? Do you yeah. think she's still alive? Are you writing another book? And Mike says, no one loses that much blood and loses to tell the story. Unless they were saving up blood just for that occasion. Yeah. And Ezra's like, you aren't acting like you lost someone. Like, I really think Ezra thinks Mona's still alive. I think that's what's happening here. He's like trying to get a read on Mike. It could be. I... I took it more as Ezra is probably, and I think essentially because no, no spoiler, but this kind of goes to something Arya says later in the episode. I think Ezra is like suddenly very worried about whatever Mona might have told Mike. 
Hmm, I can see that. And and I it's, I cannot help but look at Ezra now, and I think it supports someone in the text that everything he does is some kind of self serving gesture. Oh it's yeah, it's like some kind of like he has to protect his ass. And let's face it, he's done a lot of shit that could affect his ass and needs protection. Um, but yeah, Mister Joe Cool's upset, and he's just like, "Well, how would you like me to act? You want me to cry my eyes out, bang my fist on the wall? She's gone. That's it. People leave. People die." That's the only sure thing in, in this world. Which, it's like, seriously, fuck off, Ezra. Well, honestly, though, Mike should be working for the Rosewood Tourism Board. <laughs> He's just writing slogans that you could put on billboards. Um, Mike, People like, leave, people die. It's the only sure thing there is in this world. Rosewood. <laughs> and then underneath it's like, fuck Stars Hollow. Come to yeah. Rosewood. Um, yeah, Mike just kind of gives Ezra a glare that basically says, this conversation's over. And then he yeah. goes back to working with his hands. Um. I, yeah, I wonder. Like, did Toby give Mike some lessons? Like, is Toby too good for this stuff now? He's a cop. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, and, I'm, and who owns the building? Did Toby have his agreement about the loft with Baker Brozak? Where does Toby live now? I have so many questions. I'm sorry. Oh, and also, where does Ezra live? We'll get to that in a bit. Um, Ezra here, he just has this look after Mike basically tells him to fuck off. He's just like, hmm, okay. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, so we got to... Uh, Want a smoothie? <laughs> got to the, the grave site of Mona Vanderwall. It's in the mausoleum, the same place that, you know, quote-unquote, Allie was buried. It was yeah, I was going to say, young. is this not the exact same spot where Allison was? It is not. I checked. Okay, so Mona's ap- epitaph is, The last of your kisses was ever the sweetest, which is from a letter from John Keats to Fanny Braun. Mm. Yeah, Mona is taking the former gray site of one Ryan Willis. I looked. That's who was buried in this previously. Mm, what Sorry, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> took took your body out, threw it away, and uh, put Mona's uh, corpse in there. Or not corpse, coffin in there instead. Keepsakes. Her sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, oh shit, there's the Grunewald. She's like smelling the flowers there by the marker. Uh, we see Hannah's there. and White roses. Yeah, she thanks the Grunewald for coming. Hannah's wearing her rosewood jean jacket, um, and the Grunewald's like, thank you for remembering me. They're doing something weird with the Grunewald's voice in this episode where it's like, it's got some bass underneath it or something to make it extra creepy. It's like this very bass, but also sing-song tone. Mm -hmm. It's like almost like she's singing the creepiest song in the world to Hannah in the scene. Yeah, and Hannah's like, you're hard to forget. (laughs) It's like, no shit with those eyes. Yeah. Uh, And she's like, I take that as a compliment. She kind of puts her hand on Mona's plaque, and Hannah says, there's no one in there. And Grunewald's like, it's empty. I know. Ooh, psychic. Uh, She's like, I also own a newspaper, Hannah. Yeah. And she (laughs) says, well, how is it that you think I can help you? And Hannah says, I want you to help me find the body of the girl that's supposed to be in that box. We think that Allison killed her. And this seems to surprise Grunewald, and she turns back to look at Mona's grave again. She's like, how do you expect me to find her? And Hannah holds out that little stuffed animal doll that Mrs. V gave her, and mm-hmm. Grunwald takes it, and Grunwald like fucking pets it, like it's a real dog, mm-hmm. like like totally creepy. And she's like, "Little Bungie," and Hannah's like, "Bungie," and Grunwald's like, "That's his name." And it's like, "How did you know that?" Oh my god, you're so fucking psychic. And it's like, I really wanted them to show that like it's written on the tag. It's like, because I feel like the Grunwald's a, just a charlatan. Like everything she does is like just textbook like you know tricks and and parlor games and you know well so as we were watching this last night i mean we 
try to keep fairly quiet because we're listening. Like mm-hmm. unlike some people, we actually watch and listen to the show. But uh, every once in a while, a comment will sneak out. And I, as Hannah says, how did you know that last night? You're like, I just made it up. <laughs> exactly. Did you notice that there's lots of like uh, like ravens crowing away in the soundtrack in the scene? Mm-hmm. It's like Ravenswood. She, she brought it with her. Yeah. So girl then like, like looks up and just smiles and uses her hypno stare on Hannah. I I love that her eyes are somehow more freakishly otherworldly blue. It's like uh, underworld. The vampires in underworld didn't have eyes this blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cut to Allison's living room with uh, Jason De Laurentiis. He's let Spencer and Emily in. And he's like, kitchen's that way if you want to look for your mom's, whatever it was. And Emily's like, muffin tray. She <laughs> swears that she left it here. And Emily heads off into the kitchen. Well, Jason like, clearly doesn't give a fuck. He's yeah. like, whatever. Whatever made-up excuse you have for coming over here, I don't care. Uh, I think like, he's like, why did you even bother with the excuse? Yeah. Jason, is he's in like a Jersey tee, and he's got like the two-day stubble going. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. At least it's not like he was like almost doing like a chin strap thing for a while. That was bad news, but yeah, he's well, just like, uh, scruffy here. I think it's, it's somebody probably said the Drew Van Acker like, look, whatever you do on the show, don't be sporting the same look as Lucas. Exactly. That's only going to hurt. <laughs> um. So yeah, Emily heads off the kitchen. Jason turns his back on Spencer, starts going through some files. But really, he's, he's like just holding some manila folders. Well, he's just like ignoring Spencer basically. And he's, he's like, Allie's not home. Yeah. Spencer's like, yeah, I know. You two are never in the same place at the same time these days. And he's like, that a trick question? And it's like, actually, Jason, it wasn't even a question. And Spencer says, no, no, it's just a regular statement. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you want, Spencer? Because he, he knows, like, what what are you really here for? Yeah. Uh, and she says, I want to know why you're protecting her. And he just kind of scoffs at this and ignores her. And, she, and Spencer says, the cops found traces of Mona's DNA in Allie's trunk. But it's not enough to arrest her, not when you're providing her with an alibi. Your dad, I understand, but you... And Jason's like, it was Thanksgiving, Spencer. You're the only one who finds it hard to believe we were all together that day. And it's like, yeah, of course, nobody spends holidays with their parents in Rosewood. <laughs> uh, and Spencer says, They surely don't spend Christmas with them. Yeah. She's like, Jason, I know that you... And then Jason cuts her off, and he's like, Em, you find those muffins yet? Which might be his greatest line on the show. Mm-hmm. And we hear Emily off screen just be like, uh, no, not yet. I really wanted them to cut to Emily just like standing in the kitchen with her arms folded over her chest. Like, what do I do? You find those muffins yet? Yeah. Uh, so Jason turns away from Spencer again. She comes closer and she's like, at some point that day, she got in her car. She left the house and she didn't come back for a long time. I know she's your sister, but so am I. She set me up, Jason. I'm going to go to jail because of her. Somebody's dead because of her. And Jason looks away like he's considering this, and he stares back at Spencer. Well, Spencer um, is like full Spencer intensity here. Yeah, and she's like, they're the ones that are asking you to lie. All I want is the truth. Please. And get some Jason face. Yeah, well, as, as in all things, when Spencer Hastings is certain of something, you can be certain that she is wrong. But I uh, I really wanted Jason to break down and be like, damn it, I don't know. I was, I was high. high and asleep <laughs> again. The entire day. That's my alibi. I'm like, what do what I if that was Allie's alibi? Yeah, that would be good. They're like, shit. <laughs> Gotta let her go. Uh, so we go back to the Grunwald and Hannah at the mausoleum. Uh, she's holding the stuffed animal. Her eyes are closed. She's like doing some psychic bullshit. And she's like, gates and walls, dams and barriers. How can you live in such a psychically constipated environment? 
And Hannah's like, I eat a lot of fiber. Nailed it. Ten points of Marin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, yeah, the, the whole audio effect that makes her voice sound all like ethereal. And she's like, secrets are one thing, but secrets that carry over into death are very toxic. It makes it hard to see clearly. I see, but as through a glass, darkly. <laughs> this whole show is through a glass, darkly. <laughs> How much did you want the Grunewald to have that? That vocal effect that they gave, like Palpatine at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Hannah's like, "Did Allison kill Mona?" And rather than answer the question, the Grunwald like does some more psychic theater here. She like holds a hand up, and like the wind picks up, and uh, Hannah turns around. She notices that some rose petals are falling from Mona's grave, and she obviously interprets this to be supernatural. And the Grunwald says, "Each one hated the other because." Each one feared the other because each one knew something about the other. That's deep. That's some. That's some like sexy, like uh, mysterious hate poetry, right there. I've seen a lot of people interpreting Grunewald stuff here to like, how does this fit into their theories? I'm completely ignoring it because I think she's full of shit. Uh, Uh, I have another theory though about who Grunewald's talking about, and maybe it's not hmm. Mona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, Hannah says, where's Mona? And uh, we get no answer. Hannah's watching more petals fall. And the Greenwald finally turns around. She says, she isn't in Rosewood. She's in the dark. She's not having an easy passing. Betrayal, betrayal and loss. Her soul is caught, bound. She's surrounded by earth and insects and cold. There is no peace, only fear. And then Greenwald's like, that will be $100 for my <laughs> services. And Hannah's like... Holy shit. I have a smartphone with a little square thing on it. You just swipe your card right here. <laughs> Tip if you want. Um, as you made a joke a minute ago, but like, I feel like the thing that's resonated a lot through PLO <laughs> fandom, at least as our corner of it, is uh, mm-hmm. like which uh, Harry Potter house did the characters fall in? Mm-hmm. Maybe we're framing this wrong. Maybe it shouldn't be what Harry Potter house. It should be like what Harry Potter character fits into which PLL house. I don't even know what that means. I don't either. But like, yeah, you know, like, which characters would be like in the House of Hastings? I mean, Hermione, obviously. That'd be awesome. Uh, so Spencer's living room. Uh, Spencer and Emily are like angrily marching back in, and Spencer was like, "Well, that was bullshit." Actually, well, that was a bust. <laughs> well, uh, she just like stomps in, just like, oh, I, I love the the way she marches around. Like, she's there's just something so brassy and ballsy about Spencer. Well, if she could have kicked her couch across the room, she wouldn't. Mm-hmm. No. But uh, Emily tries to comfort her, but Spencer wants none of it, tells her she should go, she should go and be with Paige. She says, at least one of us deserves a good last day in Rosewood. So Emily sits down and then pulls a purple hairbrush out of her bag, and Spencer's like, what the fuck is that, you know? <laughs> and Emily's like, I stole Allie's hairbrush. And Spencer's like, why the fuck would you do that? Did you pick your head? <laughs> and Emily's like, let's just say the cops were to do another sweep of Mona's house. Sure, Allie has an alibi, but how strong can it be with it? And Allie's DNA is found at the crime scene. And Spencer's just like, Emily, no. First of all, you can't just tell the cops to go back and look again. And second of all, creating false evidence is an actual crime. And Emily says, Spencer, you're being charged with actual murder. Actual bad girls. Oh, yeah. Somewhere, Caleb and Toby, I think they just, like, kind of twitched. Mm-hmm. So they, they walked they, over their grave. They both thought to themselves... I think it moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in Allison's living room, we look at a, a photo of the dealer and his family on the <laughs> ski vacation. 
<laughs> totally badly photoshopped photo of uh the the dealer and his family we, with like yeah. young Jason with like his huge helmet that he has on for some reason. The um, only person in the family who doesn't look photoshopped is the guy who is clearly not Ken Dealerentis. <laughs> Yeah, so I, somebody, I think it was a pretty little podcaster said it was just a stock photo and they didn't bother photoshopping the Ken person. Yeah. If that's true. That's amazing that they're just like, ah, fuck it. I could not the, hope to have once looked like that. I mean, this guy, he looks like he looks extreme cool. sports bro who's like uh, getting towards middle ages now, but he's still kind of extreme. He still has like his frosted tips. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that this... I mean, if that's supposed to be Kenneth, like, what if that actually was Kenneth? Like, that's what he looked like 20 years ago. He's had some, he's put on some fucking city miles then. Yeah. Um, Drinking at that cantina with Obi-Wan. Yeah, I feel like, like, yeah, this silver fox is who Ken thinks he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jason's, like, looking through this, like, stack of family photos. There's another one of that young blonde girl who's supposed to be young Allison. You see her photo, a giant photo from the piano. She's not the same little girl from the Christmas episode because these photos I, are taken. I think this is probably Sasha Viterza. I'm just guessing. Could <laughs> They're be. probably using actual young photos of them. Could be. But I think we've seen this this little girl yeah, yeah. before prior mm-hmm. to the Christmas episode. So Allison walks in and sees Jason. She's like, what are you doing here? He says that he came by to get some files from the office, and they were up in the closet of all of Dad's family photos. And he's like, did you know that you have three full baby albums? LOL. Guess how many I have. Triplet theory. Yeah, uh, except fuck the twins. It's all about triplets now. Um, then he hands her the ski. Allie's just like, sorry, bitch. It ain't my fault I'm the cute one. Yeah. Um, she, he hands her the ski vacation photo and says, remember this? And Allison looks at it and smiles and said it was a good day. And Jason's just like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Dad forgot his wallet. We were fighting the whole time. It took eight shots before we finally got one of us all smiling. And Allison's like surprised by this and sets the photo down. And she's like, I guess I remember differently. And he's like, you always had a knack for that. Remembering things differently. You and Dad. I wish I had that. I really do. And it's like, just now she's realized she cannot rely on Jason anymore. Yeah, doesn't care for Stone. And this is great because it, it not only feeds the twin theory stuff here, with like the the multiple photo albums, the uh, Allie not remembering something she should remember. Mm-hmm. There's that aspect, but then there's also the maybe Allie. You know, we've seen the way she like twists reality and like remembers it differently than it really happened. Mm-hmm. And so she was doing it even back then. It's like she this bad day where like they're probably arguing the whole time. She seemingly twisted it into like a happy day. Well, it's it's all about perception too. Mm-hmm. Misremembering something. Is not necessarily lying about it, but it also can be. Yeah, I mean, also Jason could have just remembered it differently, maybe because like he was getting the the brunt of the arguing, you know, yeah. or understood the that it was happening. He was the older one. Well, and to get his perspective more, he looks at another photo of, of another guy who is clearly not young Ken Laurentis holding a smiling baby in the air, and he says, "You had him wrapped around your finger from day one." And Allison's just like, "Spencer talked to you, didn't she?" <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, She's a sharp she one. did." And Emily. And they're right, Allie. You went somewhere Thanksgiving Day, and you came back and barely said a word. Where did you go, Allie? Really? And she has, like, this steely gaze going, and she's, like, a being framed Jason, which actually Spencer is. Um, and Allison says, Spencer, Emily, Aria, Hannah, they're all working together. They wish I had never came home, and now they want me gone. You Basically have to true. Be- yeah, it's all very true. She's like, you have to believe me. I did not kill Mona. Um, he just kind of stares at her and ponders this. I believe you, Allie. 
Oh, there you go. You can testify mm-hmm. on her behalf. Yeah. It's sad because, like, it, that's totally true. She's like, yeah, they, they do wish she never came back and they want she gone. That is 100% correct, unfortunately, Ellie. Yeah. Um, so, Caleb's apartment. Arya walks in with coffee. Oh, in Caleb's new apartment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to talk about this place. Oh, we're going to spend I'm, the next 20 minutes talking about this place. I'm 85% sure that this is Ezra's old apartment set, redressed. I could be wrong. I'm waiting to see if we're going to see Ezra's place again or suddenly Ezra's going to live somewhere else. Like, what if Ezra lives in Toby's loft now? <laughs> just just picture. Cup. Rewind. Three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, Toby and Ezra have both attended the same or- Christmas orgy, the Yuletide orgy. Uh, but Toby or Ezra's like, Toby, I, I bought the building with the brew. I'm going to be the new guy, the new skis who runs the brew. Uh, how do I put this delicately? Get the fuck out. Exactly. Also, just, you know, uh, our, our favorite theory that Hannah and Ari are the same person, this all fits right in there with, like, Hannah was accosted by a skeezy guy who ran the brew, now Arya's boyfriend runs the brew. Yeah, mm. yeah. But, uh, could it be the same set? Yes. Is it the same apartment? No, I don't think so. The door's No, open. not not the literal apartment. Um, I but, was wondering, though, is this, like, could he be, like, the next-door neighbor of Ezra, though? Which... Mm. Well, you can see it. it's kind of drab white walls, but in the background you can see somebody's been like doing some like kind of like paint tests on the walls. There's a bunch of black paint and then like red over it. A colors, interestingly enough. Yeah. Like is Caleb planning on painting this place like all black and red? Caleb's like the only downside of this apartment is the toilet doesn't work. So I just mm-hmm. poop in a bag and throw it out the window. <laughs> Toby showed me how. Uh, so Arya walks in. Spent 20 minutes in one episode talking about that. <laughs> it's not enough time. Ari walks in. She has brought coffee and pastry, probably because she thought she was going to fit this place. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, Caleb's playing like some awful, like speed metal here. Like he's A. Uh, like he's A. Yeah. He hurries over to like shut it off. There's all the, like he hasn't even unpacked yet. There's all these boxes and shit in here. There's some ginormous fucking speakers there. Yeah. He's seriously got some like murdered out audio equipment here. Is he just uh, like an asshole about like his like, sound quality? Probably. Yeah. And Arya's like, oh, it must be nice to have your own place. And he says, uh, it's my mom's name on the lease. She's helped me out for a while. So it's like, everybody got that? That's how Caleb's living here. I still want to know who, who the, what, what was the deal with the cabin? Why did, did you, you ever graduate, Caleb? Did you ever go back and take the test? <laughs> Maybe he'll do Caleb, that this season. Technically, Caleb's a high school dropout. Yeah. Going places. And his rich mom is like, yeah, whatever. I'll just pay for you to get an apartment. Maybe thousand bucks a month walking around money. You'll be fine. Meanwhile, I, I my really conscience wanted, is clear. I really wanted Arya to go like set her coffee cup like on one of the speakers and like Caleb yell at her to use a coaster. And she's um, like, Caleb, there's no coffee in this, obviously. Yeah, she brought him coffee. She doesn't know how he takes it. So there's some cream and sugar in the bag. A lot of people have gone online and said that this is the first time that Arya and Caleb have actually spoken, but that's not true. (laughs) There was the Relay episode where Betty Buckley sang the uh, national anthem. Meredith got blown up. And Arya asked Caleb what it was like to be an unloved orphan (laughs) in the most sensitive way possible. She's like, did that suck? And he's just like, I got to go find a closet to cry in. (laughs) He's like, I have no words for you, you monster. I'm trying to remember, I made a joke on Twitter today that I just want to retract because I loved it. It is that Arya's entire wardrobe is her uh, Alas, Poor Yorick speech from Hamlet. I think it was with Amy, the uh, yeah. the cool blonde nerd from Ireland. Um, 
So Arya's like, you know, what's all this? Looking at the two laptops. Well, it's, it's like desktops all like murdered out and like tech shit here, you know. And he's like, uh, it's encryption software. It's searching for an existing pattern that may have been used to encrypt the Mona's data. We find the pattern. We unlock the files. Arya could uh, not give a shit. Real talk, that is not how encryption works. Also, you keep saying it. So now I want to change his nickname to Murder Wolf. Murder Wolf. Hmm. Uh, and Arya's like, hmm, sounds fancy. Like, it, she's, she's like sandbagging here. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. Don't you, Arya? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, well, the problem is that Mona isn't using any known patterns. <laughs> oh, this tech talk is hilarious. Uh, she made them all up. I've been running decryption software for months with no luck. Maybe it's because I just watched the imitation game. This is especially hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arya says, so does all this hacking stuff. Does it, like, work on websites, too? And he's like, get the fuck out. Smooth, Arya. Well, yeah, you're right. She cannot... Arya cannot be this stupid. Mm-hmm. I think he's puffing it up a little bit, because obviously Caleb's having some some ego issues here. Mm-hmm. But she's trying to be as hands-off as possible, because maybe she's coming looking for a favor. Um, so he's like, you trying out for Anonymous or something? And she chuckles and says, well, no, of course not. And he's just like, Arya... Your Sudoku prowess doesn't exactly qualify you to help out this kind of stuff. You know that. So why are you here? So Jig is up. Well, this doesn't even seem to bother Arya at all. Like, I feel like normally she'd take offense at this. Yeah, yeah. She's like, I can't believe you're not buying into my facade. Um, Arya's like, okay. So three months ago, I applied to six colleges. And I didn't get into Brown, which, that's fine. It was kind of a stretch. But I mean, Oberlin? I mean, I nailed that interview. And Caleb's like, so you want me to break an Oberlin's database and see why you got rejected? And Arya's like, yeah. I need to know if it was me or if it's A. You know, a lot of people online are making fun of Arya being like, oh, you can't sleep your way into Oberlin. You never go to school. That's why I didn't get in. But like, uh, don't go to Oberlin. That would be such a poor match for Arya. Uh, And so Caleb's like, all right, we'll take a seat. And he gets up and has Arya sit down in front of the computer. And Arya kind of looks confused, but she sits and... Caleb does some like computer shit on Mona's laptop, and Arya's like, "Uh, what am I supposed to do with all this?" And Caleb says, "Give a man a fish; he only eats for a day." And Arya says, "All right, Caleb, look, if if you don't want to help me," and she turns to look at him, but he's like, you know, dead serious face. So she nods. She's like, "Okay, teach me." It's like, "Don't do it, Caleb. You're just making society a more dangerous place." Well, I think his his point though is that like he's not here to like run her errands for her. Is he really going to teach her how to hack the Oberlin no, website? Of, of course not. That's insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the fact that he's like letting her use like Mona's like super laptop is also insane for a lot of lot of very uh, uh, reasons to. So is he, is he having her use Mona's laptop just because there's just like a program you can run on it that's like hack this website? But uh, I guess the difference in the in the dichotomy because I remember we were talking in the one of the last two episodes. That I really wanted to know what the significant others think of the other significant others. Yeah. Hannah can go to Spencer, and Spencer can tell Toby to go escort Hannah to a dance at some church thing. I don't think Arya goes to Hannah, and then Hannah asks like Caleb to like help to, to do some hacking for Arya. You know, like Caleb only does that kind of stuff because he wants to. I think Arya just goes directly to Caleb. I feel like she doesn't even ask for permission. Clearly, um, she's like, "Now wait a minute, which one's the space bar again?" Uh, so cut to Mona's house, where Spencer and Emily let themselves inside of a key. This is the- no, no, not a key. Spencer uses a credit card. Oh, does lock. she? Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, she does the old credit card, uh, to, even though it's like a deadbolt somehow. Uh, Doesn't she? We've seen her before with a lockpick. Yeah, yeah. She's she's a master B&E. So, uh, Second yeah. story lady, as they call them. 
Mm. Uh, so uh, she's the she's a highway woman. Uh, so this is the foyer where we last saw all that blood. Um, well, they've got their hair up in buns. It's Spencer and Emily here. Hairs up, uh, latex gloves on. Yes. They're they're ready to do some time some though. Fuck up the evidence, yo. Our, our little liars are getting so much better at crime all the time. Spencer's like, "Do you know how long Mona's mom's going to be gone?" And Emily's like, "How the fuck should I know?" Yeah, she's uh, like, so I don't know. We have to act fast. So Emily looks around gravely, and she's just like, "The last time I was here." And Spencer's like, "You were stepping over Mona's blood." <laughs> Spencer's like, "Meanwhile, I was in jail, bitch. Move." Yeah, Emily's just kind of repulsed, and Spencer takes the brush uh, of Allie's, and she pulls some hairs out, and she's like, "Okay, so the police have already searched, so we have to think of places they might have missed." Or places that the hair could have moved since then. Smart. And she hands the brush back, and she's looking around, and she's like, okay. And then she spots a little low kind of AC vent near the stairs, kind of half behind a table, and she's like, bingo. So she crouches down next to this vent, and she's looking in, and she sees, oh, there's a camera inside that vent. And uh, nice job, Rosewood Police Department. Clearly, uh, you know, casing the whole crime scene there. Well, especially uh, here in Rosewood, there's a hidden camera in every vent and probably in every toilet. Yeah. So Spencer looks back at Emily kind of in shock. And then we uh, cut to some liars arguing in Spencer's kitchen. Whoa. Also, real quick, Emily's shirt is like a flannel shirt that like a lumberjack would wear. But it has like these like stylized cutouts around the collarbone area. Yeah. It just It's Emily fashion. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so Spencer's kitchen later. Hannah, we can assume, has been informed because she's like, no, you tell Mona's mom that she has hidden cameras in her molding. Why does it have to be me? Emily's like, because she likes you. If you suggest the police should take another look, she'll listen. And Spencer's like, just tell her that Mona said something about cameras or whatever and how she was scared. And Hannah's like, what makes you sure it was, you know, what makes you so sure it was Mona's camera? Emily says, because if her mother knew it was there, she would have told the police. I, I wanted them to be like, you think it was Ezra's? Wait, wait, am I the one thinking that? It was Ezra's, yeah. right? <laughs> like, Arya's not here. We can make fun of him. Uh, and Hannah's like, why can't you just ask Toby? I mean, he just joined the police force. And Spencer's like, do you want me to tell him that I found it while I was trying to plant evidence? LOL. It's not like Toby didn't act as an accomplice when Spencer broke into Allison's house on Christmas Eve, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so Hannah says, you guys, I really have to take a step back from the Mona of it all. I really nice. do. Nice. And he's like, Hannah, the blood we saw inside Mona's front door, the camera's pointed right at it. Okay, it must have seen what happened. And Hannah's face is just like, fuck my life. Yeah, Hannah's face turns into a Hannah sigh, turns into a, a Hannah F- FML. Um, so Mona's bedroom, Mona's mom is like looking through one of the shelves. Uh, there's like a shit ton of dolls and books, as we've seen before. Hannah's like kind of standing in the doorway because she's probably pretty creeped up by this whole place but mona's mom decides what she's going to do she's going to set up a fund to buy books for the children's library and each inside each book there'll be a card of a picture of mona and it'll be explained that the book is a gift from her hannah smiles and so she's, really she's nice holding idea. a book of mona's as she's explaining all this yeah um so kind of hannah steps forward and mona's mom comes closer to her hands hannah the book that she was holding and mona's mom's like you know mona loved to read for a long time i think it was all she had the and book Hannah, she hands Hannah is Terminations by Henry James. Which is a thematically unified collection of short stories, mostly about the sadness of loss and deals with both physical and spiritual loss. When it came out of James, had to deal with the loss of his own life, loss in his own life, particularly his sister. It uh, famously has a story called The Altar of the Dead, which was uh, adapted into a Truffaut film. I love but, it when you read Wikipedia. Uh, that is a combination of both Google Books and Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. 
wink. The transcendent story about the power of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Hannah looks down at the book and flashback. We're back in Mona's room. This is, I think, once again in the kind of uh, interregnum period where Allie was presumed dead. They'll always be besties. Before A came back. Yeah. And Mona says, uh, Hannah, do you want to borrow that? Mona is like on her bed studying. Hannah's kind of like in this, the same position, like near the doorway. Bungie's uh, there. Yeah, Bungie's there. The little stuffed animal right so, next to Mona. Can we start the theory that, that Bungie has a camera inside of it? Um, We'll talk later about that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Hannah's like, Oh, do you want to borrow that? And Hannah's like, I can't read this. And Mona's like, you should. Henry James understands girls. Yeah. And Hannah's like, this is more of a Spencer Hastings type book. And Mona says, you're smarter than Spencer Hastings. Uh, Cause Mona watches the show mm-hmm. and Hannah's like, I am not. And Mona says, you are, you just pretend like you aren't. It's another way to hide. Haven't I taught you anything? You don't have to hide from anyone anymore. Let other people hide from you for a change. Man, even in the flashbacks, Mona's amazing. Mm-hmm. This really reminds me, like, I know both Jacob Clifton and Heather Hogan have, like, in their recaps, written some excellent little, like, kind of mini essays on, like, uh, the kind of roles the liars play in the masks they wear type of thing. You know, I mean, identity is a strong theme of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially these two throughout season five. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Hannah is really, like, a central character and, like, kind of, like, getting into that theme. But obviously, like, Allie and her masks, you know, there's a lot going on there. And it's like Hannah here is like she's she's unlocking all these parts of herself that she used to hide. She's, like, becoming more and more powerful, you know? Yeah. The and black possibly, swan and the white swan. And possibly also A. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Hannah kind of smiles. Then we hear, like, Mona's mom, like, call Hannah, uh, call Hannah's name from afar. And we end flashback. We're back as Mona. Like, Hannah turns her head back, and she's back in the present day with Mona's mom. Um Mona's mom asked Hannah if she'd like to keep the book, and Hannah kind of smiles and says, thank you. Just the style of the way this was done, like this little flashback, is, is such an advance, though, in the way they used to do it in the show. Uh, really, uh, well, it's, it's neat because Chad Hannah's... Lowe. Oh, yeah, Chad Lowe. Hannah's in the same kind of location in the room yeah. for the, the present day and the flashback. Well, and, and yeah, she had to kind of step forward into it. But also, mm-hmm. the way they shot Mona, it was like she was looking right at us, mm-hmm. you know? The angles of the blocking was like Hannah was clearly talking to Mona, but it was like Mona was talking right to Hannah through us. But um, Hannah says, you know, you know, I've been thinking about what you said about Mona being afraid. And I remember her telling me that she wanted to set up cameras to keep an eye on things. And Mona's mom's like, cameras? And Hannah nods and asks if Mona's mom thinks that's something that she would have done something like that. And Mona's mom has to kind of like ponder this. Um, it's interesting that this is like the second literary fiction-based flashback to center around Hannah. Like we go from yeah. Nabokov to Henry James. And again, I just have to say, I think there's a camera inside that dog, or I want there to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, cut to the pedo brew. Mm-hmm. Arya enters the place. It's kind of dark inside. There's all this like plastic sheeting hanging down from the construction. And Arya's like, hello? Uh, there's clearly nobody here. She's walking around. Mike? Ezra? Uh, she keeps walking. She doesn't see anyone, so she pulls out her phone. And we see she's gotten a text from Mike asking her to come pick her up. Uh, so he's not here for some reason. So she hits the call button. She's going to call him back. And then a phone rings right behind her. And she turns around, and there's A, all in black, with a black mask, like just holding up the phone, like, haha, fuck you. Mm-hmm. I've got the phone. Well, this is like straight up a scream move. Yeah. Yeah, and Arya, like, kind of freaks out, and she tries to run to the back, uh, but the doors in the back are locked as well. She can't get out that way. A chases her and grabs her and just, like, throws her on the ground. Hard. Uh, and Arya's, like, screaming. A picks up a random nail gun that's, like, hanging around. Oh, a... Arya's huge bag goes flying, too. Yeah. A 
picks up Arya and kind of shoves her against this plywood wall and holds that nail gun right up to her chest. And Arya's like, don't do this to me, please, Allison. Uh, and instead of shooting her, he kind of reaches over and pulls uh, like a sheet of plastic over Arya and just starts like nailing the plastic to the wall, like kind of like, you know, <laughs> encapsulating her against the much, wall. Much like a spider would put their prey into a web before mm-hmm. they eat them. Yeah, and Arya's just like, Allie, 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 stop! Uh, and she's freaking out, but she's like restrained now by this plastic. And so now A just goes and opens up Arya's bag and takes Mona's laptop out of it, because I guess Arya took it from Caleb. And then A leaves, and Arya kind of moans, and she's panicking, and she finally forces her way through the plastic sheeting, uh, checks her bag, the laptop is gone. Yeah, she's like hyperventilating as she gets out of her tarp cocoon there, and realizes the laptop is gone, and it's like, you had one job, Arya. Oh, so counter narrative to this being a what if this is all some weird kind of setup where like Ezra has recruited Mike to help him hunt a and they like wanted to steal the laptop as part of this? Oh, I I could very well see that this is not a I think the the theory that I don't know if people are really gravitating towards it because we talk about how like at the start of season five, which was like mere days after the end of season four, suddenly like Mikey Montgomery was like four feet taller and like, you know, had and, put on 20 jacked. pounds of muscle. Yeah. yeah. And had much bigger hair. Um, like I could very well see, cause I'm thinking back also, who was the guy who threw Allison around in, um, in her house and screaming, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think back to like, I think it's 502 and Mike walks in, you know, with his new physique and he's like talking about how tough Allison must have been or whatever. Well, the, the Mike is a, is the, the new popular theory, I think, because yeah. he came back the same time as Aria when, you know, the A messages started way back when, mm-hmm. um, the whole thing Grunwald is talking about, like Mona was betrayed, you know, she's feeling betrayal and loss. Like what would be a bigger betrayal than Mike showing up? Mm-hmm. Right. Killing Mona. Yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, plus, it's it's just interesting too because it's uh, this is like reaching for it, but like in the pilot, Arya is like she's doing that like kind of parental big sister role when mm-hmm. she runs into Ezra at the very beginning of the pilot, and her life is thus ruined forever. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's kind of an interesting dynamic the way Mike fits back into the the spaces between Arya and Ezra. And well, what the hell is Ezra? doing with mike like what what is his game there like i I think your idea that he's just worried about what mike knows is is one possibility for sure um i don't know are they planning something ezra's like mike it's like i'm your dad and your big brother no (laughs) so (laughs) rosewood main street ellie's walking alone the car honks behind her and she kind of like you know is very startled but they're honking at somebody else you can tell ali's on edge you know Mm. Uh, and as she turns back around, Grunwald's like right in front of her. The Grunwald out of nowhere. Yeah. Hello, Allison. Allison looks super unnerved to see her. Yeah, and Allison. But then again, I'm just... oh, sorry. Then again, reunions with the mm-hmm. woman who helped you climb out of the grave you were buried alive in. Those reunions are usually fairly awkward. Yeah. Allie says, hello, Mrs. Grunwald. And Grunwald says, I was visiting someone in town. How fortunate to run into you like this. Uh, and Allie doesn't seem super thrilled, but she's kind of trying to be polite. She's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, we don't talk about, I didn't talk about this before, but I noticed this in the scene of Jason. Uh, Allison has this really great, very uh, obvious, I am listening to bullshit face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she employs it hard here. Yeah, and so uh, Grunwald says, uh, you know, I'm not asking 
what you say? I'm not going to ask you how you are. When people say that, they don't really want an honest answer, do they? And Allie kind of smiles. She says, they just ask so you'll say fine and they don't have to deal with you anymore. And the Greenwald's like, precisely. If people meeting casually told each other how they really felt, the streets would be awash with tears. She's a cheery Aren't one. you a bundle of joy? Yeah. <laughs> and Greenwald's just like, however, I'm sorry for your loss. And Allie, she smiles at this. Like, like she could give a fuck. And she's like, I have to be somewhere, Mrs. Greenwald. And so Grunwald's like, oh, as do we all. Nice to see you. Allie says, same here. Allie tries to walk past her, but then the Grunwald kind of grabs her hand and takes it and holds it. And they, like, stare into each other's deep blue eyes and, like, trade souls back and forth a few they times. They switch bodies. It's the freakiest Friday yet. Well, it's like they switch bodies and then they switch back. Uh, they both have these, like, just amazing blue eyes. Allie's are darker, but they're still, like, super blue. Well, uh, especially when you compare them in... Mm-hmm. in- alternating close-ups <laughs> yeah chad lowe's getting all sergio leone on you yeah and uh grunwald's just like you're in my thoughts and prayers allison and allison's just like thank you and gets the fuck out of there totally freaked out of her amazing power stress the grunwald watches her go yeah i was gonna make a joke about freaky friday the 13th which made me uh actually google like when the next friday the 13th falls in 2015 mm. but also when it fell in 2012 which i believe is where this is now set theoretically sure yeah, in 2012, um, where Frozen aired. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, so both in March and February 2015, there's a Friday the 13th. So mm-hmm. Rosewood PD HQ, we're in the meeting rooms. Tanner's meeting of Jason. They're watching the video footage that was found on the Mona cam. It's a lot of Mona screaming for her life. This is basically, I want to point out, this is basically a snuff film, but it has better production quality than your average NAT club video. Yeah. Ooh, speaking of the NAT club. Um, uh, it's, I mean, we don't really learn anything from this video. It's like, oh, Mona's getting her shit thrown around by a blonde. We can't see who it is. Uh, unfortunately, we can't even see if they're wearing a mask or not. Um, but this person, like, it's a lot of like dragging Mona away by her feet as Mona's like kicking and screaming and like throwing Mona around. Could yeah. be a guy, could be a girl. Like, I know some people are like, well, that couldn't be Allie, you know, because they're throwing her around. Sasha Tursa is like, She's like tall. Like she, I feel like she could do this. You know, if they were to throw out that, like Allison spent two years just basically being a brawler mm-hmm. on the mean streets of Philadelphia, I'd buy it. I mean, Sasha Peters is big, and I don't mean that like in a negative way. She's just like she's tall, like, large, tall. Yeah, like well, she's she, got like seven feet on Janelle Parrish. Yeah. Uh, so we see Toby's here too, and some other cop. They're all just watching this. So yeah, Toby. There's another, like another detective, and Toby's just kind of standing there, like a like a silent sentinel. Like is he has Tanner adopted him as her like adjutant or yeoman? Yes. Or her coffee boy. Yeah. So Tanner like rewinds to show some more of like um, a throwing Mona around, like a smashing Mona's head against that like beam. Um, it's almost like uh, like homicidal Three Stooges like choreography. Yeah, and Tanner says, there were three cameras. This is the only relevant one. Mona put them in herself. The batteries ran down months ago. But they were working on Thanksgiving. And, uh, yeah, we see just Mona getting dragged around, bleeding from the forehead. Tanner meets the video, and she turns to Jason and says, is there anything about the attacker that in any way is familiar to you? Do you recognize anything about that person? And Jason's kind of watching, like, transfixed. And he's like, it could be my sister. It could be Allison. Man, selling out your sister. Mm. And Tanner's like, how could it be your sister if Allison was with you and your father when the incident occurred? 
And he kind of leans back like he's made his decision. He says, because she wasn't with us. That was a lie. And Tanner says, you're saying that Allison wasn't with you when Mona Vanderwall was killed. Jason says, that's right. And she says, thank you, Mr. Tillerantis. So she never really arrest this man. Yeah. yeah. She never really thought Spencer did this, right? No, I don't think so. It, um, I, I feel like she is suspected Allie all along. Well, well it's hard to say what, who Holdrick suspects because he may be working with Allie, but Wilden, I think, suspected Spencer all along. Like the, the, the rest of the cops, I think, suspected Spencer. Um, Laya Baraz, like, tweeted out a great photo of her and Janelle Parrish, like, during this scene. Um, the, this little Mona Cam. Oh, with the stunt scene. doubles, yeah. And, like, yeah, you can see the stunt doubles in the background, like, like, practicing their choreography on this. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, got to Emily's bedroom. It's night. Uh, Ari and Emily come into Emily's bedroom, and Ari has apparently told Emily what's just happened. Uh, and she asks if Ezra knows what's happened, and Ari's like, no, no, and I'm going to keep it that way. And Emily's like, are you sure it was Allie who attacked you and took the computer? And Ari's like, well, who else could it be? And Emily's like, that's not what I asked. And Ari's just like, yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm you're gonna, not, Arya. I'm going to jump to that conclusion. Yeah. Uh, so Emily gets a text, and she kind of like stares at her phone, and Ari asks, what is it? And Emily says, it's Paige. I want to take her to the airport, but she has to leave now. So Arya, the compassionate one, says, well, maybe that's what you should do. And Emily's like, no, we have to do this together. And Emily kind of storms off, and Arya follows. And then we see where Paige ranks. Yeah. Well, Emily's list of priorities here. It's, it's both cold-blooded, but it also it's true to the nature of the show, because yeah. well, the liar's bond comes first. Well, Emily has this cockamamie theory that if they like bust Allie, like, Paige will stay. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. fighting for her relationship or as lopsided as it is in her own way. So we got to Allison's living room. She comes running in. She goes over the coffee table, picks up that Photoshop picture of the family on the ski vacation. Then she looks over. There's ominous Jason in the doorway. And then outside through the curtains, we see the well, flashing. It's, it's interesting that lights. she came in to look at that photo again. It's yeah. like, I feel like she, she's realizing she may have like gaslighted herself and she doesn't really know, you know, it's like, if I don't remember this correctly, what do I remember correctly? Uh, but yeah, then we see sirens, flashing lights outside we hear the sirens as jason's just standing there and ally just kind of bitterly senses the betrayal and jason looks like he'd give a fuck mm-hmm. and ally's like can you at least stall them and he just like moves aside to let her pass like yeah well it's, it's kind of like a like a the most subtle of nods yeah uh so outside in the backyard like allison comes like running around i think the side of the house around a tree we hear the sirens in the distance she comes around the corner and then oh shit there's the liar's wall Hannah, Spencer, and Emily look like they're ready to take this bitch down. Arya looks like she just realized she left the stove on at home. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like she just left the uh, the iron on or something. Like yeah, she's th- she's gonna do that move where she kind of like is about to put one foot forward, so the other three put their foot forward, and then Arya like leans back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a liar wall. They're blocking Allie's escape here because she can't just go around them. Uh, and Allie's just like, get out of my way now. Allie's got like a bag with her too, like her you like can- burn bag. Yeah, she looks back because she can hear like the the, co- the door to the cop car like opening and shutting. She then runs and tries to plow right through the center of the liar's wall, which is a terrible idea. I mean, metaphorically. Well, uh, and the liars all hold up one arm to all push her back. They each hold up a single arm to do it. They repel her with the power of love. Mm-hmm. Um, then Allison's like stunned, and Hannah's like, "You killed Mona, Allie. We're not letting you get away." And Allison's like, "He set me up. You're letting A win." And Spencer's just like, "Shut up." Well, the way she says it, it's ice cold. She's just like, shut up, Allie. Like, like she just finished her cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she's she's just done with Allie. And Allie's just like, who's going to protect you when I'm gone? If you do this, you'll all be next. Move now. Uh, and then Tanner rounds the corner with some cops. She's got like a gun and flashlight in hand. 
And she's like, hands above your head. And Allie just like, she's facing away from Tanner and she's just staring at the liars. Like, the betrayal is soaking in. She just Mm -hmm. raises her hands and Tanner's like, ladies, move. So the liars back up and Tanner tells Allie to turn around slowly. And Allie kind of looking at the liars, she's like, don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, and she turns around flinching in like the flashlight glare and Tanner's like Allison Delorentis you're under arrest for the murder of Mona Vanderall turn around she cuss Allie and the liars watch this just like without an ounce of sympathy dramatic pushing on our favorite force making a huge fucking mistake does this mean that the liars can tell the truth about Allison's kidnapping story I don't think so also it it incriminates them too much we talked about this before uh, off air but we haven't talked about actually in the show we're getting the presumption here that, like, the liars have not gotten A messages in the past three months. It doesn't seem like it, no. Um, but no, they can't tell about the kidnapping story being fake because that would be too incriminating to other shit that they've done. Right. But their, their story is just Allie told us that she was kidnapped, basically. That, like, before a month ago, we didn't know, you know? Okay. Okay. So, uh, after the commercial, uh, Oh, you mean six months ago in the seven months that encapsulated uh, November? Of well, yeah. What, what, what I mean is, um, a, a month before Allie made her official return to right, Rosewood right, right. was like the first time they supposedly ran into her. Yeah, yeah. From from Grave New World up until A for an- A is for answers, basically four B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so later I, on, sorry, go ahead. No, honestly, after the commercial, we're in Ari's living room. She's perched on the couch nervously she's staring off into space being dissociative uh, until mike comes in the front door and they say hey to each other and mike picks up his phone off the table he's like oh you found my phone and ari's like yeah can i talk to you for a sec and mike's like look i'm starving can we do this later and ari says allison's been arrested for mona's murder and mike's just like okay because <laughs> mike don't give a fuck and Ari's like, okay, that that's your response? Well, because, first of all, the grieving guy, what he needs desperately is for everyone to tell him how he's grieving wrong. Yeah, and Ari's like, just sit down, please. So Mike hesitates, but he, he complies with the master of the house here. Ari gets a big old sigh, and she says, here's the thing. I'm afraid to know what you know. <laughs> Mona knew a lot of things about me, a lot of my friends, a lot of things about my friends. And Mike's just sitting there wondering, like, wait, how the fuck did this become about you? Yeah. And Ari's like, I mean, all this time, I thought that it was you that was afraid to talk to me. But really, I I think it was me who's afraid to talk to you. But if Ali's behind bars, maybe that means we don't have to be afraid anymore. So, Mr. Joe Cool, Michelangelo Montgomery's like, I know you hated Moda. Maybe for good reason, maybe not. But now you're just like the rest of them. Pretending she was a saint when you didn't even know her. You know what that's like? Listen to a bunch of people memorialize someone they didn't even know. You ever think that if people said how great she was to her face that none of this would have ever happened? I'm sick of being told how sweet and smart and nice she was. She wasn't nice. Anyone can be nice. There'll never be anyone like her. Ever. Oh, we, know like, that, we know that feel, Mike, bro. We miss her, too. Yeah, he's like choking up, lowering his head, you know. Um, and... Arya doing her her listener for the dead job is just like, do you ever think that maybe sometime you could tell me about her? The Mona you knew? The <coughs> real Mona? Like she like swallows that down. Well, uh, Mike nods here. I wonder, does this mean we're going to get like Mona and Mike flashbacks? 
Oh, I think. Well, I'll have a comment in a minute. But yeah, mm-hmm. like Arya, like she that, that's her job. She just comes and like listens, like for the dead people, not just the people that she murdered. But he kind of nods his head, and she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go see if Dad like needs help with dinner when he's done, like busy, like not busy, like directing this episode." Um, and yeah, Dad's in the other room. We just don't see him. Yeah, he's in the studio, like cutting footage. Uh, Arya gets up, pats Mike on the shoulder, leaves the room. Well, I really wonder too for Chalo episodes. If he's not actually in the episode, is like one of the caveats that Byron has to be referred to at least once. I think so. Yeah. Well, Arya, she walks away and kind of rounds the corner into the kitchen. And as soon as she's around the corner, we hear Mike just start sobbing behind her. Uh, Arya herself kind of collapses into the wall crying, and Mike is just, like, breaking down, which... Poor Mike. Also, I feel a little bad for, uh, was it Cody Christian here? Yeah. Like, he's having, like, his big cry scene, but it's uh, off-camera. But I think I think that this makes it more powerful, though. Uh, yeah, it, it does, but... I think stylistically uh, this works a lot better. Mm-hmm. But also, I think we can confirm here, on our podcast, we can say 100%. Mona took Mike's virginity. Okay. I think I think that's what this emotional response is telling us. Without a doubt. Eh, it could also be that they never got there, you know? They were planning on it. Mm. 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 You know, Mikey Montgomery in the books is like just like this huge douchebag. From the way you describe it, everyone in the books is a huge douchebag basically yes he's just like running around making like weird like vulgar dick jokes constantly like i don't know oh. mm. so he's basically no con <laughs> yeah so because of the philadelphia airport uh this airport i'm pretty sure is like the high school set repurposed very well could be uh emily comes running through the terminal she's frantically looking for Paige. as i tweeted i was really hoping to hear not a surf covering if you leave here um, but Emily gets to what should be Paige's gate, but it's empty. There's no people. There's no plane visible outside through the window. Meanwhile, just, the, there's a, a woman on the PA, like saying, you know, boarding time. Yeah. Flight 89B to Rome. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Emily's looking around panicked. There's somebody at the gate. She goes over to the window and she looks out the runway and then through a glass darkly, we see Paige approach in the reflection behind Emily. And Emily's like, oh, God, you're here. And she runs over to hug Paige, and she's like, you changed your mind. And Paige's face is just like, no. Uh, and she says, the airline changed my ticket. My flight's boarding now. And Emily's just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, then, then Paige asks what we're all thinking, which is, how did you get past security, Emily? And Emily's like, uh, I bought a $69 ticket to Atlantic, $69 ticket to Atlantic City, which, which is she smart. has in her hand that she's looking at right now, which is, which is smart. And Emily's mm-hmm. like, Paige, you don't have to go. They arrested Allison for killing Mona. She's in jail. And that Paige, who understands how TV storylines work, says she won't stay there. And mm-hmm. Emily's like, yes, she will. Tell your parents that they have to let you stay. It's safe now. And Paige is like, Emily, I have to go. And Emily's like, listen to me, you don't. And Paige is like, yes, I do. I thought it was her months, and I do. See, I think what Emily doesn't get here is that Paige is already gone. Like, Paige already crossed this Rubicon mentally yeah. probably a couple weeks ago, yeah. and now she just needs to leave. Uh, and Emily's just like, why? And Paige is like, first, because my parents want me to, which, which I think is, is just an no, excuse. Which I think is also a special fuck you to all the critics who are like, where are the parents constantly? <laughs> Like, Paige is still sure. a teenage girl. Who's well, like I, I feel like the Paige is a little bit hiding behind her parents as an excuse here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and Emily says, okay, well, we can fight that. And Paige says, I don't want to fight anymore. I'm tired of fighting. I use so much energy fighting and being afraid. I'm worried I'm not going to have anything left to just live. You know what I mean? 
And they're kind of both fighting tears now. And Emily's like, yeah, I guess I do. But I don't think Emily totally does. She's too deep into the game to really get this. I think Paige, she was faced with like, well, I'm probably going to have to move. And then she kind of, I think, mentally worked out the math over several weeks when it's like, you know what? This is probably ultimately a good thing. You know, like, am, am I going to be with this girl forever? Probably not. Is it unsafe and crazy in this town and there's a ghost ninja stalking my girlfriend and potentially me because of it? Like, no, this this is not a safe place. I should probably leave. Well, I have a lot of comments when this scene is over. But, um, so, so yeah, Emily's like, yeah, I guess too. And Paige's like, so maybe this isn't such a bad idea. And Emily's like, no, it's a terrible idea. And Paige's like, well, what if we just decide to pretend that it's a good idea? <laughs> And then the guy in the PA says, final boarding announcement, flight 214 to San Francisco. You know, I'll take the passengers, come to the gate. And so they both take some big breaths. And Emily's just like, please don't go. And Paige's like, I have to. Well, Emily, her most vulnerable, says that. Yeah. And Emily says, okay, well, take another flight. And Paige's like, it's not going to be easier tomorrow. And Emily's like, this isn't fair. And Paige says, maybe not. But right now, this is what's supposed to happen to us. And it's like, finally like the acceptance stage here for emily yeah. uh, so they kiss and they hug long and hard and Paige takes her bags and leaves and emily just watches crying yeah pull back from uh, and then she kind of looks down at her ticket and she's like well best i guess i better go to atlantic city well and, and you know what though like Paige doesn't come running back around the corner this isn't the ending of the garden state or whatever well um, a lot of people like the the uh pages a theory is really cropped up in this episode I think mostly just because people picked up on Paige being a little checked out and like eager to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's because she's a, first of all, I don't, I like the Paige killed Bethany young theories or at least attacked her. Those make sense. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any reason for Paige to kill Mona really. Like, I just don't see the motive there. Uh... I mean, cause in, in Paige, like Paige leaving now doesn't make sense. Like she, Paige would be taking her revenge on Allie. Like, you know, Allie is arrested now. Like, Paige should be celebrating. You know, like, that that would be theoretically the motive for Paige to be A. It would be, like, some sort of revenge on Allie. I don't see the Mona part fitting into that at all. Well, and, you know, a lot of times on the show, A gently nudges the liars into going in the direction that A wants them to go mm-hmm. to. A's not really involved in the, the events of this episode. Yeah. You know, it's like... Whatever happens to Allison here, like the liars are solely responsible for that. Well, yeah, it's, it's seemingly A or whoever killed Mona, like they didn't do it to set up Allie. It doesn't seem like, not really. Right. I mean, right. maybe ultimately they did, but at least right now that doesn't seem that way. I don't think they um, even really, like, I'm going to guess A just stole Allison's car for the night, but I don't think they even did it to set up Spencer. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Spencer wasn't in jail for Mona's murder because she couldn't have been. She was in custody at the time, but. But yeah, a lot of people are like, oh, Paige wants to leave town. That means she's A. I just, I don't see the motive there. I think she wants to leave town because she's kind of emotionally, I don't want to say over Emily, although kind of, but like she, she's, she's kind of like at peace with it. And so she needs to get the fuck out of there before, because it just, you know, it's painful. Well, first, I love that for a moment there. Paige suggested the like what if we pretend it's a good idea because that is usually Paige's thing like mm-hmm. living in the fantasy world and being the, the being that person there in that world where everything is okay second I think this is the most true thing for Paige's character to do because in Heather Hogan's like uh, end of the year write up on Allison and Paige which you know typically were great the the thing that I really loved about it is she said hey Paley is great but what's better is just the Paige character herself and I think that 
beyond Emily. This is this is what's best for Paige here because, uh, like Paige, I know everyone wants Paige to be the strong character, and that's great. She should be a strong character, but also she's just a human being. <laughs> she shouldn't have to be this strong. Her point is deadly serious. She needs to be able to just like live, you know. She shouldn't have to deal with like cyber ghost ninjas. My my sincere hope now, and I, I was not in this place back in season one when like Paige is drowning Emily and what have you. <laughs> my sincere hope now is that at some point we get like that ER ending that, that George Clooney got, you know, when it's time for Emily to depart. Sure, the show. Like, Paige got cancer and died, that ending? No, no, that was that was the other guy. That was not that's Anthony Edwards. When it's time for Emily to depart the show for good, after she's grown up a little and defeated the monsters and ready for her reward, Paige can show up. Just like the good wife did to like Usher. What, like Buffy Riley? On. Uh no, Riley didn't like show up to like Usher Buffy on. But basically like well, Paige can show up to like take Emily on to like the Grey Havens or the Undying Lands or whatever. They can ride off in the sunset together. Hmm. I don't I don't see based on this, I don't see Paige like showing up in the season finale to like provide a clue or anything. She I don't could. see her providing a clue, but I, I will not be shocked at all she's back this season. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I hope it's true to this moment, because I thought that this was a great moment. I think it makes a lot of sense for her to leave Rosewood now, and I think it makes a lot of sense for her, like you said, to eventually come to a place where she she can accept this. You know, I think she already did. Yeah, uh, but I mean, in this three-month time gap, I think it makes a lot of sense that she would come to this understanding and be okay yeah. with this. So Spencer's Kitchen, uh, later... She lets herself in the side door, and waiting for her in the living room is Peter, Officer Toby, and Lieutenant Tanner. Well, the way she walks in, before we even see who it is, we see her, you know, close her door, t- door turn around, and see somebody, and, like, stop, and just be like, oh, fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, this immediate defense mechanism coming up. She she tries to turn back around to the door, but they, they stop her, and Peter's like, Spencer. Well, I don't know that she really was going to run for it or anything. I think she just kind of needed a moment to... to, to to process this without them watching her. And yeah. so Peter, you know, says her name and then she kind of steps closer. Like, I think she was her fate. contemplating running at least maybe, but I think she probably, her eyes to, are darting around. I think she probably wanted to compose herself, you know, outside of their view. But so Tanner's like turns to her and says, I want to tell you this in person. We have been reviewing all the evidence and we now believe that Mona Vanderall was not Allison's first victim. And Spencer's just like Bethany young. Tanner nods and Peter steps closer and says that the DA is dropping the charge against Spencer and that the police think that Allison set her up. Um, Spencer's just like, oh my God. And she's got like breaking down crying. And Toby's like, it's over, Spencer. It is all over. And he comes forward and hugs her and she's crying in his arms. It's like, Toby, it's not over till A says it's over. Well, so I feel like DA Marsha Clark probably drops more charges than she actually presses. <laughs> also... Can you imagine? Can you just imagine if Tanner made Officer Toby arrest his own girlfriend? Oh, man. DA Marshall Clark is just like, what kind of clown cheese operation are you police officers running over there? Well, that was one of the things that I liked about a show of all shows like like Law and Order SVU, because the 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 ADAs would step in and be like, like teledetectives, like basically like whatever direction you're going in i can't prosecute that yeah you need to get me this evidence or whatever you know like, like i feel like maybe da marcia clark's not doing that kind of oversight maybe not she's busy writing mystery novels um so right now there's like a song playing on the soundtrack called uh, the best is yet to come by us and our daughters it's this kind of like jangly pll music um it's as a we a uh, band name for the show yeah Really, we we cut to it's like Spencer's porch. They're out on the steps, all four liars. We 
Spencer's kind of staring off into space. And it's funny, this whole scene really has this vibe. Like, this this could be like a series finale kind of scene, potentially. Yeah. Like, the way the music is and the lyres are all kind of, like, wistful. And, and Emily's saying, you know, for a minute, I thought I'd just get on that plane to Atlantic City and fly away, but I didn't. Instead, she went to Dubai. And Hannah says, I've been to Atlantic City. You made the right choice. Hannah is correct. Atlantic City is gross. Arya says, no, Paige was wrong. She should have stayed. Because Arya's A. Mm. Uh, and Emily says, I don't think she was wrong. She got out. And Emily kind of stands up and walks onto the lawn. The other liars rise up to follow her. And Spencer's like, we should all think about getting out of here. And Hannah's like, to Atlantic City? I just said that. And Spencer's like, no, no, not to Atlantic City, to anywhere. I mean, Allie's in jail. Nobody thinks I killed anybody. Nothing's keeping us here anymore. Even though Spencer should be like the prime suspect in at least three murders. Uh, and Emily's like, after we graduate, we can go wherever we want. Spencer says, Allie kept us in this town like we were magnetized. That's over. And it's like, that was the best fucking thing she ever did to you guys, Spencer. Uh, and Hannah's like, the spell is broken. And Spencer's saying, we've all got college applications out. And then just Arya's face. Like uncomfortable shirt. Arya's just like, e. Yeah. And Spencer's like, so it's not too late. If we can achieve escape velocity, we can have our chance at our own actual lives. And Hannah says, no gates, no dams, no barriers. No rapes. Emily says, an actual life with actual bad guys. (laughs) Fuck your actual lives. Rosewood's way more like interesting. So everyone smiles at that. Then there's like fireworks suddenly above them in the night sky, and the girls look up, and we hear Arya ADR'd to say. Is that the carnival at, I think, St. Bridget's? St. Bridget's, yeah. Yeah, it's so beautiful. The fireworks are all yellowish. And then there's like a, a red streak that shoots up. Well, they're, the sky. they're all like watching in wonder. And it's this totally, this part really feels like this could be the finale of the whole show. You know, it's just like fireworks and music and they're all watching and happy. And then, yeah, red streak goes up and then another red streak comes up and then another one kind of crosses the two. Oh, shit. It's a giant A well, all over the, the stars. The red tint that this casts over their faces. And yeah. Spencer's like, no, no, I don't accept. I don't accept this. And Emily's like, Allison is A. And Allison is in jail. And Ari's like, oh, my God. And then Hannah, very matter of factly, like she might be A, is just like, <laughs> they don't allow fireworks in prison. And Ari's like, no, no, no. This has to be something that she set up before they got her, right? Spencer's like, that's what this has to be. And kind of more fireworks explode, and suddenly, like, these fireworks are, like, right over the liars, and, like, all these, like, sparks start raining down on them, so they have to run, duck back under the porch. Yeah, it's, it's basically literally raining fire upon yeah. them. Um, run back to the porch to, like, hide. The sky is falling. This is uh, the same backyard where the Christmas special ended, mm-hmm. same backyard where Mrs. D was buried four to five months ago, same porch that I believe where Spencer first flirted with Ren while reading To Kill a Mockingbird back in the pilot. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the liars watch us. So we cut to the Allison tag. Yeah, no, no a tag and an Allison tag. It's just Allie in an orange jumpsuit in her cell, presumably the county jail. She's in a bunk bed, top bunk, uh, trying to sleep, not having much success. There's kind of scary prison noises around, like some shouts. And we hear some footsteps approaching outside her cell, but nothing comes of it. We just uh, cut to black. So poor Allie in the slammer. She's fresh meat. In the big house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the next episode. It's the fresh meat. Yeah. So that was through a glass darkly. Fun episode. It's definitely like a, you know, premiere type episode or kind of just resetting the, the board. You know, I, I was kind of surprised they, they moved through Spencer's, uh, supposed 
guilt very quickly. They they dispatched of her being the suspect in one episode, and now Allie's the one in the slammer. Well, for like half a second in this episode, I thought, oh shit, is this going to be like a two trial season? Yeah. Um. But so I know like like they kind of like softly branded season four as like the season of answers or whatever season of revelations and i feel like season five is like the the season of shit that you would never expect to see or whatever like take this places you would mm-hmm. never guess because just like just like yeah, alley in an orange jumpsuit <laughs> just like escape from new york like this was not what i was expecting i did not expect it for all the setup they did of spencer you know being on trial for murder for them to potentially just end that this quickly mm-hmm. and now Allie's the one facing double murder trial um. Yeah, they don't believe her. Poor Allie. So uh, yeah, that was through glass darkly. The next episode is Fresh Meat. Uh, that's written by Oliver Goldstick and Mike Goldsmith, and directed by Zetna Fuentes. I wonder how long before the liars have to like break Allison out of prison. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah. Or like smuggle like a like a file in and a cake. Yeah. Maybe well. Ezra can bake a pie. And he like he's taken to the prison for some reason. Like Tanner's there, and she just like gives him a look, like "Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> she just throws him in a cell. Um, yeah, and uh, the uh, the preview for the next episode is just fascinating and mesmerizing. And somehow Jackie Molina's in it. And I read some very good theories about that. I don't want to get into it though. No spoilers, but yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find out next episode. You should you should definitely go and find the, the previews on YouTube or whatever. They're just invigoratingly interesting. Yeah. So that was the episode. Um, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can tweet at us. We are at broswatchpll2.com. I'm sorry, at broswatchpll2. Our website is broswatchpll2.com. Um, if you like the episode and you haven't already, feel free to rate and review us in iTunes. We also appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that is about it. Well, we want to just thank so many people who, who've, follow along with us and listen to us and you know congratulated us on like catching up and the christmas episode and just we're really glad that you enjoyed it and stuck around and something has been interesting about this process because it certainly has for us and i don't know i just not very good at vocalizing that we appreciate it indeed all right well we'll talk to you next time